Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at Supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Uh, we are locked and loaded this morning. It's a very, very good morning to you. We're in for the captain's run. You know the deal. It's your show, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Couple of games of footy yesterday, and they were entertaining. I thought that, that at the very least, particularly the second game, I thought it was you know, a finals-like game where one side and Richmond, who perhaps I've been wrong about at times this season, really made a statement in terms of their premiership aspirations yesterday. Not losing any faith on the West Coast Eagles. Tough to win nine in a row. Nothing I saw yesterday has me uh, with too many concerns for them. The first game here in Adelaide, Hawthorne and Essendon. Well, what a tale of two halves that was. I know that's cliche, but uh, hard to describe it as anything but. And Bombers fans, I'd love your thoughts on it in terms of your difference of attitude and different mood from halftime. Through until the end of the game. one 736 Big show coming up. Sam Edmund, SEN's very, very own. Plenty of news happening as we build up to where the AFL Grand Final will be held this year. He's going to give us the latest there. Uh, ben Anderson, speaking of plenty happening, well, the NBA playoffs are set to resume, but today's three playoff games have been postponed as the players continue to make a political statement um, in relation to social justice and Black Lives Matters over there. So uh, we'll get the latest with the happenings at the NBA. We're going to go to New York, speaking of America, and speak to Darren Cale. He's the best tennis coach in the world. Good friend of the show. He's going to join us ahead of the US Open getting underway next week. And also afl.com.au's Cow Toomey as we build up towards what is going to be one of the strangest drafts uh, in the AFL of all time. And if the Crows have got the number one pick, who should they take? Also, Stevie J, Sydney in Adelaide to take on Port Adelaide tomorrow. And Geelong, great. Um, Stevie J is going to join us. Looking forward to asking him, in fact, about just the landscape of the security around assistant coaches and, and um, the challenges that so many clubs face with slashing that soft cap. So Stevie J hopefully will give us an insight into the uncertainty of the coaching future when we speak to him a little bit later on in the show. But let's get the show underway, as we always do, with this. Well, it was great to see Joe Danaher back, wasn't it? It was. Uh, he is um, one of the most watchable players in the game. There is absolutely no doubt about that. He, you know, He's in the same category as Toby Green. He's in the same category as Dustin Martin. And in full flight, he's a top three most watchable player in the game. And it was the good news story to come out of yesterday to see him get through unscathed after a quiet first half, but much more than that, to see the way that he adjusted back to playing AFL footy after such a long layoff was so pleasing. And it was great to see the smile on his face. He looks like he loves his footy when he plays. So 
well done to him and well done to the Essendon medical team for, for taking a risk on it and putting him back in there and getting the result. But whilst it's a great result to get him back playing footy, I saw some interesting tweets on social media from, from some journalists involved in the AFL uh, industry who were saying, well, Joe's back. How good is he? Pay him whatever he wants. Pay Joe Danaher whatever he wants. I mean, are these are these people serious? Yesterday's game from Danaher where he kicked three goals was a great result for Essendon. He looked magnificent, as I said. But you still trade him. You absolutely still trade Joe Danaher if you are the Essendon Football Club. They should have traded him last year. It would have been a win for the Bombers, no doubt about that. And I think it would have been a win for Joe to get out of that and to uh, go to another club, a new fitness department, and try and get himself right. On the back of yesterday's performance, doesn't mean you go and sign Joe Danaher up, Bombers fans, for four years and pay him $800,000 and give him what he wants. You still trade him. He's played 12 games in the last three seasons. He's 27 in March, so 27 before um, round one next year. The injury issues um, usually get worse with age and they become more difficult to manage as you get older. It is the perfect time, and it's a blessing for Essendon that he's shown that he's still got great footy left in him, to go and trade him, and you get a first-round draft pick. So I just think he's got about 40 good games left in him. Joe Danaher. Are the Bombers going to win a flag next year? No. Are they going to win a flag the year after? No. So while Joe Danaher is still potentially playing some good footy, you trade him now, you go to the draft, you get another elite pick in, and you continue to rejuvenate and rebuild that list. Joe Danaher is still tradable for me. one 736 736 Bombers fans, what do you reckon? A lot of people getting sucked into that performance yesterday. I certainly wasn't one of them, and I still think it is the perfect time to trade him, and it would be a mistake if the Essendon Footy Club didn't. Uh, you need to change the scenery, in my opinion, Joe Danaher. You can get involved in that. Whilst it was magnificent to see him back, and I love watching him play footy, and he's, as I said, top three most watchable player in the game. It is an absolute blessing that he was able to produce what he produced yesterday, not only for himself and his confidence, but for the Essendon Footy Club to go to another club. You know, it might be Brisbane. Reports over here that Charlie Dixon from Port Adelaide is going to sign and stay at Port Adelaide Footy Club, even though Adelaide Board Director Mark Rusciuto said Brisbane are give him four, going to give him four years. That's not, not happening. He'll stay at Port Adelaide. So is Joe Danaher enticing to Brisbane? And what would Brisbane give Essendon? So I just think it's a great opportunity for both club and player to shake hands and move on, and it'll be a win-win. You can have your say on that. Let's get to the phones. Also, very shortly, want to speak about just the balance of power um, shifting back in favour of the clubs when it comes to player contracts. We'll get to that shortly, but I want to take your calls and don't want to keep you waiting. Johnny's going to start us. Hello to you, John. You want to speak about Richmond last night? Yeah, Kane, how are you? Good, mate. Yeah, good. That's uh, I, I, um, I agree about uh, watching Joey Danaher. I'm not a mess of supporter, as you know, but... Um, yeah, he's just an awesome player to watch. But um, it's it's like, um, look, I want to talk about last night's game. We all rave about Dustin Martin. We know he's the best player in the competition. He proved it again last night. But just some things that I saw last night. Have we seen a better 20-year-old or 21-year-old defender in Noah Bolter? I mean, he's a prodigious talent for Richmond. And Liam Baker, these two guys just don't get 
the, the accolades that they deserve. And I saw one thing last night that really did make me think that Richmond's starting to build again. I mean, I still don't believe that they're, they're clear favourites. I mean, I think there's three or four teams that can win the Premiership this year. But watching Castagna, Arts and Rioli apply the pressure to that defence and make it look so brittle, um, I thought was outstanding. On, um, on those three boys' behalf. Johnny, I just had to Google his age because you're right, I, I can't believe Bolter's 20. He's 20 years of age. He's going to turn 21 um, next month. And it seems like he's much older than that and much more mature. So the goal he kicked, I reckon it was in the third quarter, might have been the last quarter from the centre square, basically, was just a sign of the talent that he's got. So with Alex Rance leaving, it's opened up the, the door for him to play a significant role back there. You know, It's the same with... Uh, Bolton as well, like playing through the midfield with Edwards and Prestia out. They just somehow find players to come in, play a role and, and fill the position, which is a credit to Blair Hartley, who you know has been in charge of their list for, for a while now, that they ha- have been able to get draft picks in. And, and Bolton was picked 25. That, that's where you make your money as a recruiter. You know, don't, don't give me the top 10. You just shouldn't miss on the top 10. But as you start getting outside the 20s, you can get a player who's 195 centimetres and 100 kilos in key position at pick 25 and does what he does at age 20. It's a, a massive future for him. So credit to the Richmond Footy Club for the way that they have continued to build, not only with free agency and the players that we know they've been lucky to get and how crucial they've been in their premiership, but also at the draft. And this is where North Melbourne, Hawthorne, some other teams, Essendon, need to take note. That's how you rebuild your list. It's not just free agency. You've got to go to the draft, Clarko. You've got to invest in the draft because you're missing out on players like Noel Bolter. It's a really good call, Johnny. Appreciate that for kicking us off. Scott's in Richmond. He's up and about. G'day to you, Scott. Kano, I love that you start each Friday by admitting you got it wrong about the Tigers. It takes a strong man. <laughs> but with the... Um, the Tigers being given that, we know we've got a soft draw having to play all our games away from the MCG in Queensland where we don't lose. Yep. But having one last night without Presti, who finished first in our BNF, um, Edwards, who finished second in our BNF, Grimes, who was out of the game, who finished third in our BNF, have we moved from no chance to most likely in the in the Cane Corns predictions. And then and just also to yeah, follow up on that prior caller, the the step forwards of Baby Rance Bolter and no fumbles Baker in that back half. Um fantastic. But where are we? Are we there yet? Can't well no 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 well you 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 were there you were there last week. And I think that so on Monday with with Jared, we do do our uh, rolling seedings where we the top four teams in terms of where they are positioned to win the flag. I reckon I've had Richmond about third for the last three weeks. To be fair, so it was some weeks ago that I had them outside of the six, and I fully admit I was wrong on Richmond. I fully admit that, and they have surprised me, and I'm so impressed. Where do they sit? Well, it's cleared out now. I mean, there's five in it. There's five in it realistically that can win the flag with with somewhat of a Western Bulldogs in brackets. Just something in the back of my mind thinks when I watch the Western Bulldogs play, that if they got it together, they could be frightening. But the top five are where it's at. Uh, I didn't lose any sleep over West Coast last night. You know, it's pretty tough to win nine in a row. Uh, no one's doing that this year, so they're going to have to lose at some point. I didn't lose any admiration for them. Um, Geelong. Didn't lose any admiration for them against the Crows last week. I'm not sure about Port Adelaide. I think they're the fifth out of those five, but Brisbane and your Tigers right in it. So the big three, Richmond, Geelong, 
and West Coast. That's it. And then it's probably a little bit of daylight between Port Adelaide and Brisbane. Scotty, you should be rightly very optimistic about what your side could do with the prospect of winning a third premiership in four years. Frightening, really. Mao wants to speak about the topic off the top. Joe Danaher. Mao, what do you do with him? Well, morning, Joe. Uh, Joe, sorry, Joe. Morning, Kane. Uh, listen, no one's talking about this, right? Have you ever brought a second-hand car? Yep. Have you, did you test drive it before you brought it? Yep. Okay. Well, with Joe Danaher, they're probably praying a lesson that he got up and going because you're not going to buy a damaged car that won't start. You know what I mean? And thank you. they're probably praying that he got yeah. down the last four games. You know Absol- now, absolutely. You know what I mean? But no one's talking. Everyone's saying, oh, he's up. They haven't got him up and going to play for Essendon. They've got him up and going to get, get going, to go. So that way they get more for him. Well, spot on. Spot on. That's what that's what I said off the top. What a great result for Essendon. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's the human... You know, I do preface this by saying there's the human element. And clearly... You know, it's, it would have been a, such a tough three years for Joe Danaher. And I get this, but it is a business. And if you're an Essendon footy fan who haven't won a final since 2014, you want the best for your footy club and you, you wish Joe well. And it's so good to see him back and, and doing that. But does it give me any optimism that he's going to be able to string four great seasons and be a really durable player into the future? No, it doesn't. Because history would say that he can't do that and his body can't stand up to the rigours. And at age 27 in March... It's not going to get easier. It's only going to get harder with age. So I think about 40 games is right. I think he's got probably 40 games left in him. And what do you do if you're the Bombers? Do you take a first-round draft pick and you get his salary off your books? You know, the salary cap's probably you know under the pump at Essendon with the players that they kept after the supplement saga with Hurley and Hooker and Heppel. They paid big wages, Shield. So I would trade him and get the absolute best possible deal you can, and it helps to go to the trade table when he's in form like this, so you're spot on, Mao. But Bombers fans would be very interested in your take on this. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Of course, you can text us as well. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Daisy wants to speak about that man, Joe. Daisy, what's your thoughts? Kano, how are you, pal? Good. Mate, just a real quick one, mate. I'm thinking about starting up a bloody Twitter feed and becoming a bloody AFL journalist. I tell you what, like, how do they think? How does a journalist think that after a bloke has actually turned around and said, "I want out," you know? To, to think that maybe it's the best thing for him to actually re-sign another contract at a football club that he doesn't want to be at. Yeah, well, and that's as well. So um, I'm just looking at some of the of who I was referring to yesterday. I reckon it was Ralphie, and I like John Ralph from the Herald Sun. I reckon he got sucked in yesterday about uh, basically giving Joe whatever he wants. For those saying, what else? Uh, no, I'll, I'll get the actual tweet that I'm referring to. But there was a lot of people getting sucked in by that one performance yesterday and saying, sign him up, give him whatever he wants. He's a superstar. Well, well, no, you, you're a bit methodical, a bit more methodical than that. So, and you factor that in as well. The same with same with Fantasia. I mean, will he ever um, be fully respected by the playing group after clearly exploring a trade last year and coming to Port Adelaide? And the reports are yesterday that he still wants to return home. So you absolutely factor that in as well. So it's a good call. That's your mate, Dace. Thanks for your thoughts. Gary's in Seaford. G'day, Gaz. Joe Danaher, your thoughts? Gary? Gary yep. in Seaford. You're on, mate. Your thoughts on Joe Danaher? Oh, look, I, I can keep him. You a bummer's man? Yep, definitely. What do you give him, Gary? So, so, so talk to me. You're, you're doing the deal for Joe Danaher. His manager comes to you. I reckon they'd want a four-year deal. They'd want 
big coin, seven to eight hundred thousand. What are you willing to pay him as the list manager of the Bombers? I wouldn't have a clue. I'm, I'm figure wise, I'm no good. But I just looked him last night. I'm thinking, what a difference he made to that side. All right, no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that perspective, and that's a, a Bombers fan who just wouldn't want to see a big forward who they don't grow on trees. And I, I respect that view, and I understand, and I'm happy to debate that with you. Um, but for me, I, I just can't trust his body. Forty games, are they going to win the flag in the next two seasons? No. Let's start to rebuild for the future at the Bombers. But Bruce has got a different take on my screen. It says Kane is mad. Not the first time I've been called mad, Bruce. Why? Kane, you're entertaining and you run a good show, but I've never heard anyone so wrong in my life as you this morning. Uh, Number one, this is the first operation Joe's had, not the fifth operation, right? The first one, they tried to manage his injury for two years, which was essence stupidity. They changed their fitness staff. They had him operated on by a guy in Sydney, and the same as Stuart. Stuart was out 14 months, right? And... Uh, they've both come back. They've had proper rehab, a proper operation. This is the first time he had that injury when he was playing for St Bernard's. Now, now that won't. I don't believe that will reoccur again because it's been done properly. And as far as I'm concerned, he'll play the 36. I, he'll play for Eston. He'll play in a premiership within the next 12 months. How you can't think that Eston? You think, the, you think the Bombers will win the Premiership in the next 12 months? They haven't won a final in yeah, 16 think, years. It's, know, a, it's a fair leap. It's a fair leap, I, uh, explain, I think, Bruce. I can explain, uh, I can explain why, they'll, why they're a chance. They have had... It's not the injuries Essence had this year. It's had, it's had the major injuries Essence had over the last three years. They've had eight to ten players who've missed a year with, with knee reconstructions... They lost Marty Gleeson for a year. They lost uh, Draper for a year. They lost Beagle. They've lost so many guys. All of these guys are all coming good at the same time. They've all played 30. Ridley's only played, buddy, 24 games. I mean, all right, all... All right Brucey. You no, know, you've had your say. Bombers to win a flag in the next 12 months and Joe Danaher to play to his 36. And I am mad is a summation of that call. one three hundred. 736-736. We'll get to Ian, Mark, Zook and Anthony on the other side of this. Yeah, look, I feel really good and, uh, and got the training in. Um, so I've been working hard and yeah, hopefully um, continue to play out this year and um, you know keep moving forward for the club. That's uh, a hot topic this morning. That was Joe Danaher speaking to Fox Footy after the game yesterday. He kicked three goals. He looked magnificent, particularly in the second half. Hadn't lost any of his judgment in the air. Took an absolute hanger on the wing as well. And uh, whilst there was still some inaccuracy with his kicking, which he hasn't been able to overcome, it was a great story for the Bombers. But I am saying it is terrific for the Bombers because now you have some leverage to go and trade him at the end of the season. I'm asking for your thoughts. Ian has given us his. Ian, welcome to the captain's run. Thanks, Kane. Look, you make some very good points. I can't dispute that. And you're as good as any of the other, shall we say, your fellow um permanent commentators on the state of all things AFL. I'd just like to make a couple of points. The first one is, and you're right in the sense that it's a bit, it's 100% gold-plated business. For you, you earn your living from it. The players do. 
But we, me, and all my thousands and thousands of supporters, we pay you to do what you do by listening to your show, buying our memberships. You are employed by us. We do not think it is purely a business. We, our lives are not ruled by dollars and cents. Yours is. Ours is not. So please, when you speak about something we love dearly, Joe Danaher, I'm an Essendon member, have a little bit more respect for us because we're paying your wages. Mm. And we... Want... W- Ian, you make some good points, but, but he doesn't want to play for your club. If he doesn't want to play for our club, if he doesn't, and that has not been re-established, he hasn't said, I still want to go. Well, last year hopeful of getting him. Yes, yet last year he did. But it's you know, a year in football is a very long thing. Can you categorically say he won't change his mind? Not, not now. But I think for, for you to say, and as much as you love watching him play and you want him there, that's great. But he doesn't want to, or didn't want to play for your club. So last it's a bus- it's a business for Joe. So if it's a business for Joe, who's looking to get the best for himself and leave the Essendon Footy Club your criticism has to be directed to the players as well. It's a business for Dylan Shield to come to your club. So whilst you're not seeing it as a business, the players are. Uh, Look, I can't argue with that, Kane. That's a good point you make. I can't argue with that. However, you have to bear in mind, Shield has to bear in mind, all players have to mind, if if they treat all the people that pay their wages with too much contempt... We'll stop going and we'll say, hang on, we'll go elsewhere. Mm. Love your passion, Ian. Thanks for your thoughts. Give us a call again sometime. Absolutely. Mark, we'll quickly sneak you in. Mark, can you make your point in 40 seconds? Hey, a quick one, Kane. I must admit I wasn't a fan of you early doors. Um, nothing's really changed. Um, in the next 40 <laughs> games, Essen would be at... <laughs> Sorry, mate. Right. Um, in the next 40 games, as an Essen supporter... Two, three seasons, we are a chance possibly to win a final in that time and maybe a grand final. And our only possible chance is if Joe is playing. So, under those circumstances, I don't want to get rid of Joe. Good on you, mate. Mark says keep Joe. Ian says keep Joe. What's your thoughts? 1300 736 736. Meredith Gibbs with the latest news headlines before more of your calls. Getting a bit fiery here in the Lumo Energy studio right here in Adelaide, but uh, getting pretty feisty on the text machine as well with some of your calls. Richmond fans rightly up and about this morning. They can taste a third premiership. And Bombers fans, your thoughts on keeping or letting Joe Danaher go? Zook is in Craigie Burn. He wants to speak about the Essendon Footy Club. Morning to you, buddy. G'day, Kane. Love love, uh, listening to you, mate. You just... Make my day. You're so funny. You just have you, you know, trying to stay relevant and get everybody bloody angry. But um, it's good listening to. Mate, all I want to say is about this Joe Danaher that you've already gone on about in wanting to trade is that he's a lot happier in life he, to where he's moved to away from the city. Mm-hmm. Um, things are just so much more different around the club about what he's saying about how people are with him and he's just happy to be around. But, you know, what gets me the most upset is that, well, I wouldn't say upset, but he just all the commentators, what have they said over the last three years about the Essendon Footy Club? 
how they bomb it long, they haven't got a pull forward, you know, there's nobody there, they kick it to short players. You know, it, it just proved last night that having having Danaher and even Hooker up there last night, we are a, a completely different side. Now, I'm not going to say that we're going to win the flag next year or in the next two years. Hopefully, we can win a, a final. But, you know, like this crap about, you know, let's trade Joe. Did you hear that interview after the game? Yeah, I did, actually. Yeah, we, actually... We, um, we just played a, a little bit of it. And it was... Um... It would have built my confidence about, and I and I don't know his personal situation, Zook. So you know, I, I read that he's moved and all of that, but I don't know, you know, Joe or how happy he's in. I'm purely looking at it as what's the best thing for the Essendon Football Club to do, and that would be, that was great to get him back in form and to have other clubs salivating over what he can do. My thought is it's going to be really tough for him to be a durable player as time goes on. And right now you cash in. I thought they should have done it last year and taken the picks that were on offer. And I think they should do it again this year. But look, I really do understand the Essendon supporters' perspective on it. It's a, it's a famous name. It's a player who can do things that no one else can do, but he's played 12 games in three years and he's about to turn 27. And last year he didn't want to be there. And that's the reasons why... Uh, I'd be trading him. Anthony is on the line. Hello to you, Anthony. Morning, Kane. I just want to clarify a couple of things. They should have taken the picks last year because this year he's a restricted free agent. So Sydney can have got more in the cap than and Essendon, then he can go there for free and they just get a compensation pick. So that's one thing. So they, well, they can, they can, ma- they can match. They can match the deal, which would then, if he wanted to go, um, force them to trade him. So they could do that. If Sydney have more cap space, then they'll lose him for nothing when they had two first-round picks on offer last year. So, mm. and that yeah, I agree. I agree. They should have traded him last year. I agree. Yeah, Dodoro, please sign him up for ten years. They haven't won a flag for sixteen. We've won a final for sixteen years, and they reckon they're the best thing, and they're going to win finals next year. All these Essendon nuffies. I'll tell you what, Kane. I'll leave you with this: the Essendon Football Club, the most overrated, overhyped. Overexposed football club in the history of the game. They've done nothing. Come on, let's not get personal. Let's not get personal. Let's keep it civil. Um, I do love the passion of this program, and I love what you all bring to it. Um, but let's not let's not rub it in. I, I will. I do think it's amusing because I was on Twitter at halftime. Are you down by thirty six? The Bombers fans, and there was some you know some strong feedback coming through. A little bit different post-match with the 52-point turnaround, but that's the great thing about our game. Bombers fans, join in. Respond to Reg. You can't take that lying down. Andre is on the line. Joe Danaher, Andre, your thoughts? Kane, Kane your yep. hypocrisy is ridiculous, mate. Like, What's seriously, you, you say, oh, I don't know what Joe's thinking. I don't know what his thoughts are. I don't know what he wants to do. And then you say... He wants to leave Essendon. He doesn't want no, to play for it. No, no, no. I said, yeah. I said he wanted to leave last year. I said he yeah, wanted no, to leave last year. You said, you said to that other bloke, he doesn't want to play for your club, mate. You well, he didn't. That. He didn't. He wanted out. He wanted to break a contract. Now, he wanted to break a contract yeah. and he wanted out. Yeah, but you're talking about now. You said well, he doesn't have want you, to play. Have you, have you rung up Joe and have you spoken to him? Do you know him? Do you know what he's thinking now? Have you rung him? That's what I just said. That's what I just said. I don't know. Because because last year he wanted out, mate. It's it's on the public record. He wanted out. I don't know what he's thinking right now, but I do know last year has been well documented. He wanted out. 
So how do you know he still wants to leave I now? don't. That's what I just said. I don't know but that that's now. That's what you're saying. But either do you. That's... But either do you. You're saying he wants to leave. You're saying no, no, no. he wants I to leave No, no, no. I said he now. wanted to leave. Yeah, no, you're talking rubbish, mate, and you know it. Like, you're just making stuff up that no, he wants no, to not, leave. No, because it's, it's on the public a... record. Oh, and you don't know on, if mate. you don't know if he wants to stay. So so you're being I'm, as hypocritical as what I, what you're accusing me of being. I'm not I'm not saying he wants to stay, but I'm not saying he wants to leave either. But you're saying it like it's fact that he well, doesn't was want to fact, play Well, was it fact? Was it fact that he wanted to leave last year? Was that fact? Yeah, but how do you know he hasn't changed his mind? That's what I just said. I don't. You do. You, you're saying it like he, he still wants to leave. No, I'm just. You're not listening to me. I don't know what he's thinking no. right now. You said to that other bloke, he doesn't want to play for your footy club. That he didn't want to play for your footy club because he was accusing no, me of calling AFL a business. All right, well, it's said, it's semantics. I'm saying right now to you, he didn't want to play for the Essendon Footy Club. Do I know at uh, August the 28th what Joe Danaher is thinking right now? No, I don't, and that's what I'm saying to you. But I do know he didn't want to play for the Bombers. He wanted to break a contract. And he wanted to join the Sydney Footy Club. And that's a fact. Let's go to Jack, who's in Adelaide. Morning to you, Jack. Morning, Kane. I'm going to let the mates who uh, don't like you very much, mate. But um, I tell you, I I, uh, you know, I don't love you, but um, I love how you open cans of worms um, and you pretty much say what everyone's or most footy fans are kind of scared of saying in fear of retribution. So... I love that. And and that last caller, the last we heard from Jack was that he wanted to leave. It's as simple as that. And that's the last we've heard of him. So I agree with you there. Um, what I was calling about is in your career, and I suppose you now we've seen recently with when players want to leave, a lot of other clubs, most other clubs, have done right by them. And it sucks for Dangerfield. It sucks for others. But, um, you know, it sucks for the Crows when he left. But he wanted to go. And if Joe wants to go, then in this 2020 world, you've got, if they don't let him go where he wants to, I think Essendon were, were crushed last year. He wanted to leave that club and they kept him there against his will. Um, in your career and your experience, have you ever played or known any player who wanted to leave a club but didn't get to and then had to play um, for that club or, or who wanted to leave and the club did let him go and how that turned out, vice versa? Yeah, it's a good a good question. Off the top of my head, I specifically at Port Adelaide, I, I can't remember a, cl- a player that I played with declaring that they wanted a trade. But it was, a, you know, it's a little bit different now, particularly with the advent of player movement. It's mu- much more prevalent now. But you know, it's happened before. Ryan O'Keefe wanted to leave Sydney, he stayed, and it worked out really well for him. Tom Papley wanted to leave Sydney, he stayed, and it's working out well for Tom. Um, uh, other players that want to leave and the club lets go. So I actually like it when clubs make a stand. And, you know, last year I thought the best thing for the Bombers to do was trade Joe. But the best thing for Sydney to do wasn't let Tom Papley go. So it's 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 a business. And that's what I keep saying this morning. So it's not unusual for... A, a Carl Amon's a good example at Port Adelaide. You know, exp- thinking about leaving. You know, is what's best for me? Do I leave? Do I stay? Explore that. Uh, maybe not a deal. Maybe I'll stick around. Stays and it's worked out well for him. So... Not uncommon, and that's why the role of the list manager at a footy club is one that is so vital. Um, We'll get to Susan quickly uh, in Brunswick. Susan, welcome to the Captain's Run. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? A bit fiery in here. I'm a bit hot under the collar. Uh, Yes, I know. And look, I know nothing about football, 
but my husband listens to your show and I was eavesdropping while I was getting ready and I'm thinking, just hang up on this idiot. <laughs> that, that guy that you were saying, no, I'm, I'm not saying he wants to go, that I still know that he wants to go. But he was just an idiot and I couldn't understand why you weren't hanging up on him. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't have the power to do that in here. That's done from our legendary panel operator, Johnny, back in the studio. But Susan, hopefully you can tune in again. And thank you very much for giving us a call. Uh, we'll get to Ian. Jim's in Perth. Peter is in Airport West. And Reg wants to have his say as well. It's 19 minutes to 10 if you're listening to us on SEN in Melbourne. It is, what is it, 11 minutes past 9 on 1629 SEN SA. Back with plenty more of your calls after this. Yeah, plenty of texts coming through as well. This one from Nick. I must say, this is a much better show to listen to when it's not your team being picked on, Kane. Thumbs up. The Essendon fans are hilarious. He might be enjoying his footy again while in the hub, but guess what? When footy comes back to Melbourne, he's going to have the same problems as he did before. Let him go. Um, I thought we did Jack in Adelaide, Benny, so I reckon we're on to Ian, who's on the line. You want to speak about Joe Danaher. Ian, morning to you, mate. Hey, how are you going? Good, buddy. What's your thoughts? Um, look, firstly, just want to uh, uh, acknowledge that what you said to a previous caller, that you don't know what Joe Danaher wants to do um, because there's a lot of people in the media who are writing and saying things and not once have I heard them say, Joe Danaher told me. So no direct quotes. It's all speculation as far mm. as I can tell. Mm. All, all we can go off, mate, is, is what transpired last year. But at no stage this year has Joe told anyone, as far as I know, I want out at the end of 2020. No, but he hasn't also said, I want to stay either. And that's why he remains out of contract. It is pretty unusual to have a player who wants to stay as we head into September be unsigned. That History would say that is that is somewhat unusual and uncommon. If a player wants to stay and they're that good, usually they would be signed up by now. Mm. Right, cheers. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your thoughts. Now the tweet. I found the tweet I was looking for. It's from from uh, Ralphie. Pay him what he wants, Essendon. Find a way to keep him, no matter what. He is a superstar. Find a way to keep him, no matter what. Uh, Peter is in Airport West. Hello to you, Pete. Yeah, good day, Kane. Um, Kane, I just want to say, do you believe in football karma? I I, I believe in the football gods. Yes. Yes, because karma happened last night in that um, West Coast Richmond game. Tell me. Well, who flopped last week? Grimes. Yes. Guess Did what? Did his hammy? Lucky to make the finals. Yeah, I you know, don't want to wish ill on anyone. Um, and he got off, and it was an interesting um, situation this week involving the MRO and the tribunal, and I want to address it. Um, shortly, and I'm particularly interested in the comments from AFL Players Association President Patrick Dangerfield and the CEO Paul Marsh, who don't believe staging is an issue at all. They reckon it's a storm in a teacup. I've got a bit of a different view, um, but yeah, Grimes will miss you know 21 to 28 days with that hammy, which probably rules him out prior to the finals. Um, Reg is on the line. Good day to you, Reg. Yeah, good day, mate. How are you going? Good, thanks. But yeah, just two things. One is a guy I brought up before. Um, I think if, if you treat it as a business, Essendon made a very bad business decision last year yep. in not getting rid of Janet Her and getting a couple of picks. This year he's a semi-free agent. He can 
go nominate what he wants, and if Essendon don't want don't want him, they've got to let him go. But the other point I was going to make is, and it's like I'm a Richmond supporter, okay, but someone's got to get in the ear of Nick Revolt and just tell him that the game does not, capital letters, not revolve around him. How dare he take a left foot, you know, snappy shot when he's 15 metres out from goal directly in front? That is just a look at me. Look at me. Yeah, I um, I think you said Nick. It was Jack Revolt, of course. I went I went to bed um, with about four minutes to go in that game and, and woke up to a couple of text messages. You know, you get, get the group text message and said, what was Nick Revolt, th- uh, Jack Revolt thinking with that shot after the goal? So I got on Twitter and a lot of people sharing similar thoughts to you, Reg. So what was it? A, a pretty straightforward shot and he's gone with the left foot and missed late in the game. So... Um, well, it's hard to argue that it was anything other than a, a look at me moment. Now, just for the Bombers fans who are saying, well, you know, we, we shouldn't have traded Joe. So some of the players with the two first round picks that you could have got that are, are making their way nicely in the game, you wouldn't have got Raul or Anderson with pick one or two. Luke Jackson was three. Lockie Ash, I like the look of him. He was four at the Giants. Dylan Stevens, South Australian midfielder who's gone to Sydney. Fisher Mackesy at six for Adelaide, key position defender. Hayden Young, Caleb Sarong is the one from Fremantle who's going to be every bit of a superstar. Kasaya Pickett also making a nice name for himself and Will Day doing good things at Hawthorne. So there's some of the names that are coming through that perhaps Essendon could have got. Now, they're not of the ilk of Joe Danaher, but they're all going to be you know 200-plus gamers, whilst Joe, as I said, may only have 40 games left in him. Mick is on the line. It says he wants to respond to the idiot who rang before. What's your thoughts, Mick? G'day, Tony. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. That's good. Yeah, no, I'll just stick it up for you. Normally I wouldn't because, you know, you're <laughs> Port Adelaide. But uh, the, the guy that uh, rang through before having a go at you about uh, Joe Danaher, he's got to get his facts straight. <laughs> Joe's gone. So the fact that he's calling you up and attacking you, I think it's quite hilarious. Mm. Oh, look, I'm a Geelong man. I, I knew Gary Ablett was going to go. We all knew Paddy Dangerfield was coming to, to Geelong. Mm. The writing's on the wall. This guy's just a bloody idiot having to go at you when you're just stating facts. Yeah, uh, well, the writing is on the wall. If you look at... If history is a judge... Now, I can't think of too many players who have taken to this point in the year. I know it's a bit different this year with you know contract freezes, but that's been up for... I don't know, five or six weeks now where clubs have been able to sign their players up and we've seen, you know, players, Jacob Weering signed up. And if you're a if you are a player with the capabilities and the importance and the wage that Joe Danaher is paid, it is um, unusual to remain unsigned this late in the season, is all I'll say. Now, people say, well, what about Charlie Dixon? Well, uh, the, the club's saying he's going to sign in the next fortnight. You're not hearing that sort of language. Brad Crouch is the same. Like, he's not signed at Adelaide. Free agent... Probably means he's gone. History would say that. I don't know that for sure, but if you judge it by history, that's probably what is going to happen. Um, we will get to Steve and Tim and Andrew on the other side of this short breather. Uh, let's get straight to it. Doug is on the Gold Coast. Joe Danaher dominating the first hour of the captain's run. Your thoughts on it, Dougie? Yeah, hi, Kane. Uh, yeah, what happened last year? Do you know actually what Sid, Sydney were going to offer for Joe? Well, not specifically, no, I don't. Okay, well, I've done. I've looked up the age. They were going to offer pick nine and a future first round. 
Yeah. Dodoro said that at pick nine, they were going to pick Harrison Jones, who they got at pick 30 because they traded up to North Melbourne. So all the people saying that we're going to get a good deal from Sydney, it's not, just not true. Mm, but so, now, you, but now the prospect of and you know recruiters say all sorts of things after the draft. Oh, we couldn't believe that player was there, and we were going to take him anyway. And you know, so I wouldn't be fully trusting of what recruiters say post draft. And now you're in the hands if he does choose to leave of the AFL and their mystery compensation. Okay, well, if if as he's a restricted free agent, can Eston actually yes. get a trade for him? Yeah, we well can match. You can match the deal and, and be prepared to have him stay. Or, or and if he, he he still wants to leave, then you can then you can still trade him. So yeah, you still got still got some options there at the Bombers. Uh, Steve is in Lilydale. I've been waiting for his call. Steve, make it quick, really quick. Okay, I just I just couldn't believe um, Kane that you said before that you couldn't believe that someone you couldn't remember someone trying to leave Port Power franchise uh, in, in your days. You're forgetting that you tried, Kane. You tried at the end of 2012 to leave and go to the mighty Adelaide Crows. Yeah, only only because they wanted me out, Steve, but you're spot on. I did did try and leave. Plenty more coming up in the next couple of hours. A lot we've got to get through in the next couple of hours. Looking forward to doing it. Uh, Thanks for tuning in to the Captain's Run. We had a busy, we had a fiery first hour. It took a lot of your calls, which we love dominated by Joe Danaher's performance at Adelaide Oval yesterday in a stunning comeback from the Essendon Football Club. 52-point turnaround, if you don't mind. They were shot at halftime, but a lot of optimism from the Essendon fans this morning, and rightly so. And Joe looked good, but I'm still saying it's a great story for Essendon to get him in the nick like this so that they can trade him with some currency when it was looking like there may not have been that much. We're going to speak to Sam Edmund with all the latest news from the AFL. We're going to head to Ben Anderson, who is in Utah with the latest on the NBA. Now, the NBA players have decided to resume the playoffs after it was reported that the Clippers and the Lakers had voted to call off the whole season uh, yesterday. So I guess for the NBA fans, selfishly, that's a good result. But clearly, there are more issues at play over there at the moment. We'll get the latest from Utah with Benny very, very shortly. We're going to stay in New York and speak to Darren Kale ahead of the US Open, which gets underway tomorrow. Uh, it's not tomorrow. Next week, I should say. And Kautumi, Stevie J, a couple of gurus also on the line this morning. Your calls, though, most importantly, as always, one 300 736 736 and you've been patient so thanks for sticking around uh megan um thanks for your patience megan and welcome to the show hi kane how are you going Good, um, thank you i really like your show look i just want to respond to that I, i'm assuming he's an Essendon supporter the one that was you know uh about bagging. footy karma and dylan grimes yep yeah, that's right yeah look you know he's a really vindictive man as far as i'm concerned you know what, I'm a Richmond supporter and last night I was really happy that um, uh, the Essendon guy, what's his name? Uh, Joe Danaher. Went yep. really well. I mean, yep. you know, this is what's wrong with this world at the moment. There's so many nasty, vindictive people in this world and, you know, just just stop it. I think well said, Meg. You know, you know, if if that's Dylan Grimes' biggest crime is, is staging for a free kick, then he's going okay. Um, and he has represented the, the Richmond Footy Club with, with such class. And every time I hear him speak, we've had him on the Sunday Footy Show. He's a ripper. He's got, a, I think, a winery, lives an interesting life, and he's a pretty fair footballer. So if, if, 
if staging is his biggest crime, as much as it frustrates a lot of supporters and as much as it frustrates the Essendon fans who would think that it cost them two goals last week, um, it's not the biggest crime. And just on that, it was good of um, both teams, I thought, yesterday or last night for how how much access they gave to the fans to that Grimes hammy injury. So half-time, Damien Hardwick speaks and says, look, this is the issue. He's got a hammy. Dylan Grimes then speaks himself and gives you know, in-depth details with the issue. And also Josh Kennedy from the Eagles the same with that concussion. So I reckon definitely making progress in terms of uh, filtering through the information on what's happening in regards to player injuries to the fans, which sometimes and in, in years gone by, clubs like to keep that information close to their chest. Good call, uh, Megan. Thanks for your thoughts. Tim's in Brisbane. Your thoughts on that man, Joe Danaher. Tim, welcome. Hi, Kane. Great job at mediating all of the very strong opinions at the moment. Um, Thanks, mate. I, yeah, I, I just want to make the correlation between Jack Stephen and the St Kilda last year with the Joe Danaher situation. Obviously, Jack was dealing with a lot of things. Same with Joe, dealing with a lot of things. The St Kilda club were really patient and tried to help Jack uh, through all of his things. But at the end of the day, they were just the, they played the bigger person and helped Jack be where he wanted to be. And... I think for the type of player Jack was, being a best and fair, multiple best and fairest player, and uh, someone who also hadn't played many games in that that previous season, they were happy with whatever they got in return. They would just wanted to see Jack happy, and um, you know I just think that's sometimes just the, the better story in the long run. As much as it's a business, um, uh, you know both both uh, player and club can still be happy if, if mm. the right thing is sought after. So maybe Essendon supporters and maybe the club just need to be the better person and um, help Joe find a, a place where he can flourish. And as a St Kilda supporter, I'm happy to see Jack back out on the field. I miss him, but um, have a look. We, we, we're still doing just as well this year without him, but we, we send him our blessings. So Good on you, Tim. Good. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a nice sentiment that um, you express, but it's, it's hard, isn't it? Like you look at, for, for Essendon fans, you look at that and you think, well, there's not many players that can take a contested mark inside 50 get up the ground, play outside 50, uh, get to the logo, mark the footy there, wheel around on your left, and then score like he can as well. I mean, capable of kicking 50 goals if he's fit next year and, and winning a Coleman medal. So tough to see that go. Um, my question to the Bombers fans as well, who are so adamant that uh, Joe Danaher should remain at the club, give me the terms of the deal. So what, what are you prepared to give him? John Ralph says, pay him what he wants, find a way to keep him no matter what. But do you give a player who's played 12 games in three years with the issues with his body what he wants? So, Bombers fans, be the list manager right now. A lot of criticism towards Adrian Dodoro. Tell me what you'd give him. Is it two years? Is it three? Is it four? Uh, he's probably on 800000 right now. Does he get less money? Does he get more? Give me the terms of what you will pay him for those that are adamant. Joe Danaher must remain at the Bombers next year. Jack is on the line. Your thoughts on it, Jack? Uh, hey, mate. How you going? Good, thanks. Uh, yeah, so uh, first and foremost, as a neutral supporter, I loved Joe Danaher's performance last night because yep. I think he's such an enjoyable player to watch when he's up and about. He's uh, with a big smile. Um, so, yeah, that was really good. But my main point is that I, if I was Essendon, I would be trying everything to keep him because you just can't win a premiership without a dominant key forward. You basically have to go back to Adelaide in the 90s to find a team that didn't have a dominant key forward that won a premiership. So I think you would try everything to keep him. 
and I'd, you know, maybe give him three years, but with um, incentives, like goal incentives, games mm-hmm. incentives for an extra year, something like that. So. Yeah. Good on you. It's a it's a good good point that you make, and you know, just going through in my head the teams that have won it, um, and, and even the Bulldogs. Do, do they have a dominant forward? Well, probably not. But Boyd kicks four or, or, uh, and dominates that day. So um, on the day he was dominant. I mean, the last team to win a flag without a dominant forward one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Get involved in that and have you have you say. And Bombers fans, what would you give him? So um, Jack says. Give him three years with incentives. Would that be enough to satisfy Joe, who would be, you know, concerned about his longevity and would want the most security that he can get? And rightly so. Let's head to Brisbane and speak to Darren. Hello to you, Daz. Um, yeah, g'day, Kane. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, just quickly on the, I've got two things, but the, the thing with uh, Watson, uh, uh, sorry, with Joe, yeah, with Joe, is that there's there's heart to be taken here. Brisbane recycled Lincoln McCartney, who was injury struck. So if your Department of uh, Medical Staff's good they'll get him back on the track. Mm. My main my main thing I wanted to talk about was, with the head and that being thanks to thank within the AFL these days, and if a player goes low for the ball and he makes contact with the head with a shoulder, he's looking at a week, if not more, depending on the severity. Would, can I throw a point out? Would a bloke that goes for an unrealistic attempt at a mark who then needs the back of the head of a fellow uh, in Kennedy, would there be any fear that he could be reported? Well, Darren, stick around. Sam Edmonds going to join us moments in moments in a moment's time to get the latest on that. This has always been a frustration of mine, though. So I remember Callum Ward getting knocked out in a prelim final. Gone. One of the most dangerous acts that you can do on a footy field is stick your knee up in a marking contest, like you've been taught since you're four years old. And and like I tell my kids, you know, put your knee up, protect yourself if you're going for a mark. But you make a good point. If that marking attempt is unrealistic and the action results in a player getting concussed and we're trying to protect the head and we're doing everything to eradicate the dangerous tackle and the sling tackle and the bump that he's head high, why wouldn't that be looked at would be the question. So I think it's a thought-provoking topic that you raise and something that is worthwhile exploring if you are no chance to make the, the, the mark and your action results in an injury and a concussion. Thanks for your thoughts, Darren. I'll speak to Sam Edmund about that very, very shortly. Varney's in Croydon South. Morning, Varney. Okay, Kane. Listen, uh, we probably wouldn't even be having this conversation last night if we uh, uh, had have uh, tuned in at half time at uh, mm. where, where I was so savage on the lack of effort by our players that I made up a hit list. And these are the only blokes that I would retain at Essendon. And Danaher's in this list too. I'll quickly go through the blokes I'm going to retain. Zach Merritt, McGrath, Saad, Ridley, Stringer, Smith, Draper, uh, with a question mark with Shield, Tip Moody, and a question mark with Danaher and Langford. Now, with, with Joe, I love Joe. I'm an excellent person. I love the Danaher family. But if Joe wants to go, let him go and see what we can get. I mean, I love him, but, I mean, he, he hasn't been on the field hardly for the last two, three years, and he's been taken up the spot by someone who could have, you yeah. know, contributed better to the Essendon Football Club. On big money, uh, it's, it's a it's a balanced point of view because we are prisoners of the moment, aren't we? We we look at the end result and how uh, um, you know how electric that footy was in the second half and the result, but you do sometimes forget what happened in the first half. I got an apology to make as well. I, I didn't. I, I took me some time to come around to the ability of uh, Andy McGrath. I, I thought he was. 
I didn't think he was the right pick for the Bombers at pick one, and it's taken me a lot of time, and I've been really stubborn in my thoughts on um, what sort of player he can be, but he's starting to prove me wrong. So apologies. I've apologised already to Richmond for riding them off halfway through the season, and I've got another apology to McGrath this morning because he was sensational yesterday. So sorry to you if you're listening to uh, Andy this morning. Nathan's in Clyde North. Hello, Nathan. Your thoughts on the Bombers and Joe Danaher? Yeah, how you going, Kane? Um, yeah, I don't mind what the guy like just before said, but I think if we, if there was a chance to secure a decent key forward elsewhere, then yeah, let Joe go. But there isn't, and they're they're not a dime a dozen. So if our issue right now is scoring inside our forward fifty, and we've got our midfield speed and off the back, we we need targets in our forward fifty and you're not going to just let Joe Danaher go. As much as I think, yes, you know, the story, let him go, let him live his life. But if he's playing for you like that and he's happy, fight for him. So what's the price you'd pay to keep him then? Three years, I think, is a fair and give him the incentives. I like that. I get it's a risk. I'm not saying that it would pay off. It might bite us in the, in the back end. But yep. you've, got to, you've got to have a crack. You can't... If we, if we trade him and get rid of him and we get a, another small midfielder or... Uh, some you know, a pick or whatever, we're not going to get what we need and we need a strong forward presence and we're not going to get that. So whatever he may be worth or whatever we may get is completely irrelevant because we're not going to get another Joe Danaher. Mm. Okay, yeah, just thinking about some other key forwards on the market. Charlie Dixon's going to re-sign with Port Adelaide in the next fortnight, so he's off. Uh, ben Brown, you'd think, is there, but he's not that key sort of target that you're looking for, Nath. Um, Jesse Hogan's a name that I've floated. You know, you get him for nothing. He's, you know, Fremantle will pay some of his wage, but he doesn't come uh, with a clean slate either with, with some baggage off the field. So, yeah, they don't grow on trees. Absolutely they don't. But I'm just concerned about how many good games of footy Joe Danaher has left in him and maybe not make the mistake that the Bombers made last year and, and keep him when they should trade him. We'll wait and see. He may take that decision out of their hands and he may want to leave and he may declare that he's leaving and then the Bombers won't have much of a choice. Bob's on the road. Your thoughts, Bob? Yeah, g'day, Kane. Um, I actually always love your opinions. I'm pretty classified as well. Um, just uh, two points. I'm not an Essendon supporter, um, but I've got uh, twin six-year-old boys that sat with me yes yesterday afternoon and watched the second half of the Essendon game. Yep. And they can't lose Danner, in my opinion. He, he I, I agree with McGrath, but I, I really think he he was so pivotal to them. And they would not have won without him. And How's I think if that, pardon? So the, so the boys, you're saying the excitement that Danaher bought your six-year-old oh. twins was just something like you haven't seen this year. I haven't. All, um, we're Richmond, so we watched that game too. Don't get me wrong, but they couldn't. They go, "Who is this guy?" Yeah, he he yeah. dominated to them. Like yeah. they just didn't know who he was because they're six, and you know they've only been watching footy for a couple of years. And then we watched the oh, the other point. Sorry. So the other point is the Tigers. We made them play dirty ball, and that was the best we've played all year. Mm. Yeah, no, well, hard to agree with that, and I appreciate your perspective on it, Bob. And um, shout out to the twins this morning as they're you know probably doing some homeschooling, are they, Bob? How's that been the homeschooling with the twins? Uh, tiring. Uh, <laughs> I've got four, I've got four kids to be. A, oh, but it's uh, 
it is it is ten and eight and twin six year olds, so it is tiring. Oh my goodness! Um, and uh, yeah, so I I don't know how I'm getting through it, but I don't know how they're getting through it too. So as mm. soon as the lockdown, hopefully we're in Vic. So as soon as the hopefully lockdown, only a fortnight to go to to all of you doing it so tough out there, and congratulations, and hopefully it you know it ends sooner rather than later. Bob, thanks for your thoughts this morning. Andrew's a bombers man from memory. Morning to you, Andrew. I haven't been able to call because I've, I've had been working. I've lost my job, but that's okay. Mm. Um, <laughs> that's the way it is. But the thing is that Essendon um, uh, supporters now, as myself, have, have become, and this is no offence to schizophrenics, uh, we are schizophrenic, become schizophrenic because of this and why we're playing. Uh, we just don't know what we're going to get uh, from week to week or within a game. Um, which is, I suppose, consistency. But um, I think they need to keep Danaher. I've always been saying that we should have kept Danaher, and I've been pretty vocal on that. But I think they should just ask him, what what does he want? If he wants if he wants to say this, then what does he need? And, and work around that rather than uh, coming out with a figure. And, yeah, I think uh, that conversation, Andrew, is needs to happen sooner rather than later as well. Like, I mean, I, I think, you know, Bombers would... The Essendon Footy Club want to see can his body hold up for a month, five weeks of footy, and hopefully finals. I'd want that evidence, and and Joe's probably got some decisions to make as well. So, but that conversation about what do you want to do is not too far away. I wouldn't have thought as everyone goes about trying to get their ducks in a row for season twenty twenty one. Now we do understand there's some issues with our DAB signal. We're working on it, so for those texting in, we are aware of it. Um, assuming Benny, um, you can listen on the app crystal clear as well. The AFL record, a digital edition, is out now, available at sen.com.au and the SEN app. Speaking of which, all thanks to Kasha. So if you're having trouble listening to us on the radio, you can get us on the SEN app crystal clear. On the other side of this, SEN's best news breaker, um, Sam Edmund, with all the latest news. That it is, the captain's run, joined now by SEN chief sports reporter, Sam Edmund, who's been busy. Sammy, thanks for your time. Absolute pleasure to join you, Kane. Is that your choice of music? Very soothing out of the break. That's put me <laughs> at ease right away. Well, it's not my choice. It's the gurus back in the studio. Hey, a bit of talking points to come out of last night's uh, blockbuster game between Richmond mm. and West Coast, in particular the concussion suffered by Josh Kennedy. Yeah, titanic clash, wasn't it, obviously? And the postscript has Josh Kennedy concussed and Richmond with their own problems, obviously, with that hamstring to Dylan Grimes. But you're right, that concussion to Josh Kennedy I wanted to talk about. Now, Kennedy was concussed the first quarter, of course. Noah Bolter's knee collecting him in the head in that marking contest, and it was a pretty ugly one. Now, he came off the ground, Josh Kennedy, sat on the bench for several minutes. Now... Kane, you would know better than anyone. You appreciate that coaches can't have their eyes on everything. And Adam Simpson, the West Coast coach, said Kennedy couldn't come back on. But according to those present, he did return to the field. Now, let's have a listen to Alistair Lynch, who was on the spot for Fox Footy. Uh, thanks, Gaz. As we saw in that first quarter, it was the 14th minute mark of the first quarter when Josh Kennedy got the big knee in the head just in front of us here in the grandstand. And um, he staggered from the ground at that stage. Here's the incident. And he got up and went off the grounds, probably sat on the bench for about three minutes and returned to the ground. But at the 20-minute mark, he staggered from the ground and needed to be assisted to get down into the rooms. He looked like he was um, concussed and he was almost throwing up and needed uh, the doctor and the physio to help him up the, the race. There is no chance he'll come back on the ground. I'm certain of that. 
So Alistair Lynch painting a pretty vivid picture there, Kane. Now, I'm not suggesting the Eagles have done anything wrong here, but it is rare to see this these days, and I'd expect the AFL to follow this up and at least ask the question. Club doctors on the bench, they have access to their own vision, multiple angles available to them, almost Hawkeye style, which they normally look over. Now, we're not saying this was the case with Kennedy either, but Medicos know players can't be trusted. They're competitors. They obviously want to get back out there at almost any cost. So if Lynch is right, West Coast didn't take the 15 minutes with Kennedy that would allow the player to rest for a period of 10 minutes as per protocols and then do the five-minute scat test. Now, with everything we're learning around concussion, the potential for long-term ramifications, this would appear to be a watch this space. Perhaps nothing untoward, but you'd think surely that the AFL will check it out. Mm, Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, That is an interesting one for the club and for the AFL to have a look at. We we know in the past, Hamish Hartlett had a similar issue with the club being investigated for how they treated concussion a couple of years ago. So Mm. absolutely one to explore. Uh, What's the latest on the grand final? The four state governments kind of now made their case to the AFL, arguing why they should host this year's decider. Now, the league has had Zoom conference calls with Queensland, WA, South Australia and New South Wales were the last cab off the rank. They made their presentation yesterday to finish it off, even if the Victorian government kind has made it clear to the AFL that it doesn't want its chief rival, Sydney, getting the game. The AFL were led in talks by the chairman, Richard Goiter, the CEO, Gillan McLaughlin and the chief financial officer, Travis Old. Now, the league will sit down and make a decision, but it's said that there is a stack of information to process and sort through here. The AFL also adamant a decision has not been made yet on the pre-finals by, even if McLaughlin is on the record as saying it is the preference if they can stay ahead of any COVID outbreak. So I think, Kane, a commission meeting scheduled for early next week. I'm told that finally a decision on the grand final venue will be made shortly thereafter, perhaps Tuesday, maybe Wednesday. Mm, interesting on that one. T- tell us about this flight that's happening, this much-documented flight where if you're not on this flight, you're not going anywhere. Who's on it? Are you on it? It's the last train to Trans Central, this one, as they sung in the <laughs> Classics, Kane. So it leaves next Tuesday, September 1. A number of club chiefs, staff and players and journos set to enter this hub on the Gold Coast. Now, Eddie Maguire's on the trip, so clearly he's confident Collingwood are going to feature in finals action, Kane. Otherwise, it's, he's coming back in a couple of weeks. Gillam McLaughlin's going up with the family. We know that Gary Ablett's there. Shane Edwards will have a seat as well. Jared Ruffhead and Dan Hanabry going up for the Saints and Brendan Gale going up as well. The Richmond uh, boss as well. So there's 300 rooms there at the McCure. Uh, Kane, this is like a, a school camp for adults, I reckon. It's a three-hour alcohol window between 5 and 8 p.m. Social media, very strict policing of that, uh, pretty much off the off the agenda for club or AFL staff, and uh, they don't want anyone hamming it up on social media to make it look like it's a holiday, but this is the last roll of the dice. So if you want to be there, You've got to go up on this flight, Kane. Throw out of rooms at the McEwer and uh, they bunker down for two weeks and they rejoin the season. And who knows where we'll be then? Will we have all finals in Queensland? Will we have them sprinkled all over the place? And we wait to see whether Optus Stadium come with a late rush with a full house, hopefully, for grand final day. Outstanding update as always, mate. Appreciate your time. Good on you, Kane. SEN's chief sports reporter, Sam Edmund, with a watch his space on the way that the AFL... Um, review the way that West Coast handled the concussion for big forward Josh Kennedy. Time now for the latest news with Meredith Gibbs.
Take more of your calls very, very shortly, right through until 12 o'clock before Dwayne Russell takes over. Just um, Ken Hinckley has spoken to the media here in Adelaide. Just on Charlie Dixon, some confusion about his future. Mark Rusciuto said that he has been offered a four-year deal from Brisbane. Well, Ken said, that's not happening. Charlie is not going anywhere. I know Charlie and I know how loyal he is to Port Adelaide. Did anyone really think he was going to leave Port Adelaide making five changes for that game against Sydney tomorrow? But let's go to the US where um, the sporting landscape has never been uh, more divisive, I guess, if, if that's the right word. We'll head to Utah and speak to Utah Jazz NBA. He covers it for them. Ben Anderson is his name. Benny, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. What's the latest um, with the Black Lives Matters movement with um, the NBA players and, and where do the playoffs stand right now? Uh, right now the playoffs are postponed, but it sounds like it's just going to be for a couple of days. We don't know the final date on when these are going to come back. It sounds like probably Saturday or Sunday these games will be back up and playing. It doesn't sound like they'll be ready to play as soon as Friday here in the United States, but yeah, they got postponed Wednesday here. They didn't play again Thursday as the players met. The Board of Governors, which is basically a group of owners and team representatives, also met today just to discuss how they want to continue to progress and make more progress when it comes to Black Lives Matters here in the States. So there was a key meeting yesterday. and you know, I read reports that the Clippers and the Lakers had voted to cancel the season. Um, how realistic was it that the, the season may have been called off? Uh, 12 of the teams voted to bring it back. That's how many teams are left in the playoffs, uh, in addition to the Lakers and the Clippers who wanted to boycott the season. How serious those were, I'm sure there was uh, a push and a belief that maybe it was better off if they didn't play any more games. It also may have put the NBA, uh, the players, it may have given them a little bit of leverage against the owners or against the league and just saying, hey, we want to see more involvement. We want to see more inclusion from you to make sure we're having progress on this movement beyond kneeling for the national anthem and wearing shirts that say Black Lives Matter. They want to see more involvement. They want to continue to see this uh, this message be at the forefront of the NBA. Mm. Were, you, were you surprised yesterday uh, with Milwaukee? And there, there was some talk that the other teams were critical of Milwaukee because they acted alone without consultation from the other teams. Is Was that an accurate report? Yeah, that, so that was surprising. And it, we had heard... Uh, conversations between the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors, two other teams who are going to play each other in the second round of the playoffs, that they had considered maybe boycotting their game one, which was going to take place today. But it was kind of a well-known fact. Those conversations were only exploratory. And then out of nowhere, Milwaukee just didn't show up on the floor. And they made that decision based off of one player, George Hill, who used to play on the Jazz, who I cover Uh, And he just said, hey, what if we boycott this game? It quickly gained traction in the locker room right before the game, and they didn't go out. So as a players' union, and as close as these guys have been, because they're all living in one tiny area right now in the state of Florida here in the States, for them to not have that conversation beforehand, I think certainly rocked a little bit of the powers that be and and, and challenged the union. It is a players' union, and the design is to work together. Mm. It's filtered through as well. So baseball, WMEA, Major League Soccer, name Osaka in the tennis have all um, at least postponed their games as well. So the thought about the NFL as well, maybe doing something similar. Ben, how, how, um, how much do you think they will make a statement prior to their season starting next month? 
I think what we're going to see is the players continue to ask the owners to be more involved. I will be surprised if they postpone any games. But then again, uh, one of the teams, the Detroit Lions, actually uh, boycotted their practice the day before even the uh, Milwaukee Bucks sat out their game. So the NFL has already seen some of this movement uh, in their league. And I'm, I'm sure now with the power of the NBA, seeing what the NHL has done, seeing what Major League Soccer here in the States has done, I, I do think that, that's uh, uh, an idea that's going to catch fire. And I think you're going to see more players in the NFL also want to see more movement and more players' rights and certainly more of a conversation about this social movement. Seems a little bit trivial, trivial, but I, I want to talk about the action because it's been unbelievable to watch from where I am. I mean, some of the storylines building up, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis making a statement, Kawhi bouncing back from a, a shock loss to, to the Mavs as well. And that series, Luka Doncic, watch he, what he has done. It's been an epic final series for all the challenges that they've faced. Yeah, no question. And, and you know, here in Salt Lake City, Utah, we covered the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell may have been the, the story of the opening yeah. round of the playoffs so far. He opening game and the Jazz lost. He scored 57 points, which is the third most any NBA player had ever scored in a playoff game. Uh, about five days later, he followed that up with a 51-point performance, and he'd never scored 50 in the regular season. So to do it twice in a one-week uh, in a one-week span was pretty incredible. And he's kind of developing into a star. And I think what we're seeing with these players playing in this bubble, the fans aren't there. Maybe some of the pressure is actually down. And you're just seeing these pretty unbelievable performances from teams and, and high-scoring outings. And it, it really has been an incredible product. Mm. Ben Anderson joins us from Utah. He covers the Utah Jazz in the playoffs over there, um, chatting all things NBA. So the, this postponement, um, do you think the motivation for players, now each individual will be different and each team will be different, but will it affect some players and, and their motivation in terms of winning a championship and, and how trivial that may seem to them with the cause that is greater than basketball? I think it was trending in that direction over the last week or so. And, and after Jacob Blake here in the United States was shot in the state of Wisconsin, again, a black man shot by police officers. He did not die. Uh, he actually just uh, woke up from his coma apparently today. But I do think that put what the basketball players were doing in perspective and not in a negative light, but it, it placed it as, as kind of the smallness of what basketball actually is compared to the real world. And I think that was disheartening for a lot of players and certainly did cast doubt on, on whether or not they should be there. And now actually, I think because of postponing the games, because these players have had to come together and kind of re-rally and kind of re-support one another, I actually think we're going to get a bigger push and they're gonna, they are going to come back feeling more confident in the basketball that's left and, and the importance of the games because they have this platform and because they realize they've got the world's eyes watching right mm. now, that, that people are paying attention to what's going on with this conversation and, and they believe that they can impact this and they, they have the power to reach people and important people and, and people across the globe to, to support this message. So I think, I think it was trending in that direction. I think what's happened over the last 48 hours is going to change it for a positive. So no word yet on when the playoffs will resume, but we're confident we will get a, a season done. Yeah, it sounds like Saturday here in the States is most likely when the games are going to resume. It might be difficult to schedule the games and say, hey, tomorrow you're out and you're playing teams haven't practiced today i think they would like to have a schedule announced by tonight it's 6 45 where i am 8 45 uh, p.m where the nba teams are located right now i think if you could get the message to those guys hey we're having a practice tomorrow let's come back together 
let's you know go through a run through let's get ourselves ready to play in these next games and then you start executing those on saturday and sunday i think the nba can probably still squeeze that in and fit it into their schedule ben thanks so much for the update hey my pleasure thanks at ben's hoops if you want to follow him on twitter uh, covering the utah jazz and also NBA coverage for KSL Sports at Utah Jazz pre and post game. Also on Zone Sports Net, it is 14 minutes or just a touch before until 11 o'clock. one 736 736 Story prior um, to Ben was from Sam Edmond, who says that the AFL may look to investigate the handling of Josh Kennedy's concussion in last night's game, where he was reported to come back on the ground, but Adam Simpson said that he didn't. Gary is on the line. He wants to speak about just that. Morning to you, Gaz. G'day, Kane. Love your show. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, the, the situation clearly was, I mean, I don't barrack for the Richmond or West Coast Eagles, but uh, young Noah Bolt is a young defender and he's, he's gone up for the mark or for the spoil and uh, he's missed the ball by you know, a metre and a half to two metres and in the consequence of his actions, he's taken Kennedy out and caused the concussion. Um, we had a situation last year, I'm a North Melbourne supporter, we had a situation last year in a game against Geelong where a young defender, Sam Durden, in his third or fourth game, uh, a ball's been kicked to Gary Rowan and um, Durden's coming in to spoil and he comes in and the ball was coming at face eye. Durden comes across, puts his fist out, punches the ball, spoils the mark and in the action there's a clash of heads with Gary Rowan. Gary Rowan's discussed, uh, concussed and taken off the ground and uh, umpire called play on, fair bump, part of footy. Uh, he gets sighted, gets rubbed out for a week. Mm, uh, how, how is it different? I mean, is it, you know, I mean if that wasn't careless, he, he, you know, he's jumped up in the air miles away from the ball. If that's not a careless action, I mean, I, I just don't get it. I mean, It's been confusing. <laughs> uh, on the other side of this, Gary, I want to speak a little bit about the um, week that the MRO had, uh, in particular in relation to staging. It is probably even more confusing that two players, Grimes and Boston, were cited and fined. They challenged it and got off, which doesn't clear things up too much. But the comments from Patrick Dangerfield and Paul Marsh from the AFL Players Association, I want to address that next. You're listening to The Captain's Run. Plenty more coming up. That it is the captain's run one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Would love for you to join in the show this morning. Firstly, just want to address. Or let's get to David. He's been good enough to call us, so I won't keep him waiting. Uh, good morning to you, Dave. Uh, what do you want to chat about this morning? G'day, Kane. How you going, mate? I really good, like mate. the show. Thank um, you. I'm a Lions supporter, and um, all very welcome to say, well, we've made him an offer of four years, but who are we going to give up for him? We've got a pretty settled group at the moment. We just, is this, I mean, you're talking about Joe do. Danaher? Yeah, Joe Danaher, I'm sorry. Well, yeah. you can get it, yeah, yeah well, well, he's a free agent, so you can basically get him for nothing. So all you'd sort of have to worry about is the wage that you are going to pay him. But, you know, once again, four years comes with significant risk for a 27-year-old who's played 12 games in three years. So, I mean, there would be some trepidation, I reckon, from the Lions to go down that path. But... You know, it could be the difference between a premiership. So that's what you have to weigh up. How much do you pay him? How much is guaranteed? Is there clauses in there? All of that. Um, but in terms of getting him, the fact that he's a restricted free agent is certainly enticing for other clubs because you don't have to give up anything to get him. 
Appreciate your call, Dave. Uh, Jared is on the line. You want to speak about that Noah Bolter incident? Jared, what'd you make of it? Okay, and I, first up, I am a Tiger supporter, but I honestly don't think there's anything in it, and I think there's a bit of an anti-Richmond vibe floating around the air at the moment um, in the media and on social media, and I just want your thoughts on it. I didn't really catch what you said to that other bloke, the North Melbourne supporter, but I thought he was jumping for the ball, and some of the best marks we've had have been guys jumping for the ball like that. Do we really want to discourage that? No, no, we don't. Um, but I just think, like, it's, it's a really tough one for the AFL because they're so determined to crack down on their head knocks, and so they should be. I mean, with, with sling tackles and all that, we've seen a couple go up to the tribunal this week. I thought it was ridiculous that Sam Powell Peppers was um, sent to get one week this week, and they successfully got off that, which was a good result. So we have gone up a level in terms of protecting the head, I still think the most dangerous action in footy is jumping with your knee up in a marking contest where you could hit someone's head. But we play a contact sport that has accidents. So I'm more in, I'm more in line with you. But if the AFL want to get really serious on it, then, then they probably have to look at unrealistic attempts in the marking contest that make contact with someone's head from the knee because it's just as dangerous as slinging someone in a tackle or bumping someone head high. In fact, I think more force uh, with the knee. Um, than that, but you're right. I, you don't want to do that because it does take the high mark out of the game. And then players, not only are they reluctant to go and win the footy now, they're reluctant to fly for marks, and they're thinking, well, well, what can we do? Speaking of the tribunal, um, I was interested in this little bit from Paul Marsh, firstly, on staging. He spoke to SEN during the week. The reality is we, we have rules that are in place um, that, that deal with these types of issues. Um, it's not up to the the players to to make the rules, um, you know. So you know, if if, if the players break the rules, they're penalised. I don't think we're going to be in the business of imposing additional rules on on members. And I think what tends to happen with these types of things is they are pretty rare. I mean, we might see a few of these incidents in, in a given year, um, but they do attract the disproportionate amount of media attention. So it's not something you know. If the players wanted to raise this at our annual delegates conference, then we would absolutely have the conversation. But I don't, you know, they typically don't get raised because the players certainly don't see this as big an issue as what some do. So the players don't see it as a big issue, as confirmed by Patrick Dangerfield during the week. Players are already dragged across the hot coals when they do. They're, when they open themselves up with, with being on social media and it, it's a great way to engage with fans, but they're also ridiculed and abused because of it. So, you know, I think that's tough enough on our players as it is, let alone the sanctions they get from the AFL at different stages. Mm, he also went on to say that staging is a storm in a teacup and every player has done it, which is which is probably fair. And he was good enough to say that he's done it in the past. So credit to his honesty there. But what that says is it's not changing. So for anyone who thinks that staging is changing, it's only going to change if... The players believe it's an issue. Now, the two most powerful voices in the players' union, Paul Marsh, CEO, and the president, Patrick Dangerfield, say that it, it's a storm in a teacup and it's not an issue and the players um, aren't going to address it. So for as much as you know, people get frustrated, and I can really sympathise with the Essendon fans last week, as much as they were completely outplayed by Richmond, they lost the game by two goals and two questionable decisions cost them two goals and they were due to staging. So... I actually think it is a bit bigger issue than what the players and the players' union um, are giving it credit for, would be my thoughts on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Is it an issue? Do you see it as an issue? And should the players take more 
ownership and responsibility for that. Um, I've had a tough week this week, actually, um, and I, I say this with my tongue in my cheek because I understand um, those of you in Victoria are, are locked inside your house. So we'll have a bit of a fun, bit of fun with this. But magpies everywhere. Like I, I do run a little bit, and there are magpies everywhere at the moment. They are out in force, and I have a phobia with birds. I was running down Green Hill Road in Adelaide the other day, which is a really busy road, and I kept getting swooped by the same magpie. I look like an absolute idiot because I'm petrified of them. Has anyone got a solution for me on magpies? That was one issue that happened to me during the week. I had some buyer's remorse. I was really kicking myself for buying a battery-powered lawnmower because I was trying to push through with the lawn at home and I was making no progress because I bought a battery-powered lawnmower, which was expensive, mind you. Like, it was 900 bucks. It wasn't a... It wasn't a cheapo, but I made a real bad mistake with that. What have you bought that you regretted? Because I certainly regretted my battery-powered mower. And if you've got a solution for me, I need your help with swooping magpies because I'm a sook, I'm a baby, I am petrified with them. And for anyone who sees me driving uh, and I'm running and I hit the deck every 100 metres because there's a magpie swooping me, you would get a real good laugh out of that and some of my... Um, detractors would certainly use that, in particular the boys from, from the Sunday footy show. So I'd just love your help on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Players lining up, um, but we've got to get to the news at 11. So stick around. Grant's on the line. John's on the line. Both want to speak about staging. Is it as big an issue as what has been played out in the media this week, or are the players right in saying it's a storm in a teacup? It's not fixing it. They're not fixing it. They don't care. They reckon it's a storm in a teacup and no action needs to be taken and the feedback they get on social media is punishment enough. It is smack bang nearly on 11 o'clock. The latest news with the guru, Meredith Gibbs. Darren Cale in New York City, AFL.com.au's Cow Toomey and also Geelong legend, now Sydney assistant coach Stevie Johnson, the head of the big game, which you just heard, Port Adelaide making five changes to that side against Sydney tomorrow. All on the menu prior to 12 o'clock when Dwayne Russell takes over the microphone with Dwayne's World at 12. Plenty of time, though, for your calls, as always, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We heard just moments ago from... Patrick Dangerfield, who spoke during the week, Paul Marsh, both from the AFL Players Association, their thoughts that staging isn't an issue in the game. I asked you whether that is your perspective. Janine is on the line. What do you think about uh, the issue, Janine? Oh, Kane, first off, um, like a lot of, I'm getting real sick of people saying that Dylan Grimes completely staged that free kick. I agree with you. He he added a, a bit of mayo on it. But Terry Wallace spoke about it on Sunday on pregame on SEN, and he said, yes, free kick. Yes, it was a free kick. Did he add some mayo to it? Yes. Um, but it was a free kick. And he's been in the game for 40-odd years, so I, I, yeah. I, I totally respect your opinion and anybody else's opinion. Um, the guys actually on Fox Footy last night in a preview for Carlton Collingwood game um, showed some really old footage. And there was a lot of staging in that because they commented on the amount of staging that, that occurred in old black and white footage. So, look, I don't want my players doing it. Um, but I think, you know, there's a, there, it comes a certain time where umpires will just... They won't play legitimate free kicks because they'll think a player's staging. I don't know 
if it's a if it's a serious problem in the game, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, you're hearing from Patrick Dangerfield; he doesn't think it is. No. Other players don't think it is. So, I suppose it's all relative, really. Um, yeah, I, I, and as, I, for that, as for that Essendon guy who called before, instead of praising mm. his own team for a wonderful second half, all he says is that Dylan Grimes is hit by the karma bus. Well, that just says a lot for his intelligence, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> I, I do. It, it is. It is amusing sometimes, and and Port Adelaide and Crows fans are guilty of it as well. They they almost take more joy out of the opposition. Um, uh, losing or issues with the opposition, they do joy out of their team performing well. Um, but that's uh, makes what, what footy so passionate. Um, from my experience with with staging, I put my hand up and said that I did it, and I regretted doing it. It probably really hit home when a teammate and he's, you know, he wasn't a household name at Port Adelaide, but Tom Logan was a player that everyone respected at the footy club because he was a hard, tough nut and who got the absolute most out of himself and one of the most courageous players I've ever seen. He just he just walked up to me one one day in the in the change room. He said, "What are you doing? Just, just stop doing it." And that was all it sort of took to think. Oh, hang on, this is you know hurting your teammates as well. So I think if the players want it to stop, and if they think is it an issue, they do have the power to change it just by expressing to their teammates that it's not what we are about. So I, I think you know I think it would be a good thing for the players to do and not brush it off as a storm in a teacup would be my opinion on it. Grant, what's your thoughts on it? Oh, Kane, oh, oh God, mate, it frustrates the hell out of me. And, and I have a go. You're in the meeting. Look, I really respect you, mate, the, your comments and everything you, you, that you talk about. But please just listen what I, as of what I say because I, the media have a hell of a lot to play in that. You know, half of these decisions that they that are made, they, they play it, you know, over and over 10 times, the actual you know, incident that happens, if they just moved on and people wouldn't even react to them, like the Dylan Grimes one, but they played it and played it over and made commentary about it. And naturally, it gives a fuel to the fire where the, the guy who was totally wrong in the comments he made to Dylan, but, you know, they, it happened again last night. You know, with BT saying, can't remember who it was, but it's either a stage or it's a free kick when he was pushed off the ball, like a, like yeah, a pushing the back. But I think, uh, Grant, when, when the result is a goal or a goal taken off, um, yeah, I think it's... I think it is worthy of scrutiny. Um, and then when you have the ability to find someone and you go to the MRO, then you play it again because people want to see it. So when it affects the outcome of a game like it had the potential to do in that Dreamtime game against Essendon, then I think it's going to be a big issue. When the margin's 12 points and two goals are uh, directly related to staging incidents, which the MRO officer admitted was wrong by the umpire because he penalised them, I know they got off, then it's always going to be a big talking point. Um, just this one on the Magpies uh, on Twitter. When running in the direct area of a swooping Magpie, raise one arm above your head and make large circles. You may look silly for small parts of your run, but you'll ward off the swooper and protect your head. Trust me, it works. Well, I reckon you're stitching me up there. I, I reckon you really are. You, you want me to look absolutely foolish. We'll get back to more of your calls shortly. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. But it's time now to head to New York City with the latest on the upcoming US Open with our very good friend, Darren Cale. Good morning, boys. Big game tomorrow, Killer. The, the, the coaches had the prison bar Guernseys out during the week, and it was a pretty physical training from all reports, so I'm sure you would have been pleased to see that. 
<laughs> where the coaching's uh, coach is getting into the training as well. And your brother would have looked the best in the lace up, right? Like just back to his playing days. Yeah, he looked good. He looked good. He was uh, there was a f- uh, image of him, and he, he looked fit, killer. But take us through the the po- I guess the political and sporting landscape over there at the moment. Massive news coming out of the NBA with what's happening and players boycotting playoff games. Naomi Osaka withdrew from her semi-final match in New York to protest Black Lives Matters. Can you give us the the updated um, landscape over there? Yeah, it was just another shocking incident which happened with Jacob Blake and what the police officer did to him and, and America's reacted accordingly and in the right way. I actually didn't realise that the baseball and the basketball teams had boycotted their play for 24 hours. And when I saw that Naomi... And she released her press statement about the fact that she wasn't going to come out today to play her semi-final here at the Western and Southern Open. And I thought to myself, oh, good on you. That was uh, a hell of an effort to do that. What a great leadership you're showing for the WTA. And, and uh, yeah, then I saw also that the basketball players and the baseball players have done the same. And everybody's gathered together to pay their respects, at least for today, and to, to try to make some change over here in the US. Because it is a mess over here there's no question about it you just have to look at the COVID-19 cases and how they're dealing with it uh, the political storm over here is just it's a tough place to live in at the moment you know it's not even to the point where you can have a discussion about politics it's more an argument and people throwing insults and uh, the interesting thing about the contradiction of politics over here in the US is that half the people I ask you know which way they voted last time half the people come back and say well we didn't even vote so it's a, it's an interesting world that they live in over here in the US. It, it's highly political. Uh, it's on fire as well as far as everything that when you discuss a subject. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's tough to get a real handle on it, and it's a tough place to be at times. Just breaking now, Osaka has changed her mind, and Killer, and she will play in the semifinal as well. So her agent has confirmed that she's going to face Elise Mertens when play resumes at the tournament. Uh, Friday with the semi-finals, so the finals were shifted from Friday to Saturday. So um, she has changed her mind and she will play. Yeah, she never said she was going to pull out. She said she was just not going to play today, which is Thursday over here in the US. So she said she was going to not step on the court on Thursday. What will be will be. Right. And if that meant there was going to be a walkover to Mertens, no problem. So what happened is the ATP and WTA got together and they decided to make today a day for thinking, for remembering what happened to Jacob Blake and to to raise awareness of the Black Lives Matter campaign. And so I think they did a great thing and it also gives Naomi a chance to go onto the court and play her semifinals tomorrow and they'll play the finals on Saturday. And then, of course, we have the US Open kicking off on Monday. Take us through the draw. It has been released. What are the notable things we need to be across? Well, I think the men's drawer is incredibly strong. With most of the top players are here, Federer is injured, Nadal decided not to come. But beyond that, most of the big players are here, and of course, it's highlighted by Novak Djokovic. And he, he was a little bit scratchy in the first match that he played here about three or four days ago. He had a little bit of a neck injury, but the last two matches he's played, he has looked on fire. And it looks like he spent this time really well. The last three or four months, he's worked on his game, he's improved his net play. He's bombing his second serve. <laughs> he looks invincible. So it's going to take an incredible effort to get past him. Um, most of the other players, it's a little bit look and see because we just don't have any form to go on. Mm. And a couple of the big names lost pretty early here. Zverev got bundled out in the first round to Murray. Dominic Team only won about three games in his first match here. 
And because the players have played so few matches coming into the US Open, there's a few question marks over them. But if they can get their teeth into the tournament, you never know by the second week of the Grand Slam. It is a big physical test to play here at the US Open. And you know, I, I guess a lot of the people from the outside looking in have said it and talking about this asterisk that's going to be placed upon the winners. That's just not going to happen. You know, time doesn't stain anything. And when you look past in the next two or three years, when you look back on the records and you see the US Open champions for 2020 and whoever that may be, they won't remember a lot of what's gone into this. And this tournament will count. And these players are going through a lot to make this happen. And this is just as demanding, you know, even though there are a few players missing, just as demanding to win this one. So it's going to be on once it starts. Hey, I was interested in the female side that Kim Clasters, Aussie Kim, as we used to call her, killer at age 37. She's a wild card. She's going to take on the number 21 seed, Alexandrova. So tough draw. What sort of shape is yep. she in? And, and can she you know, do any damage? A little bit the same way. We saw her play at the World Team Tennis and she looked really good. She was pumped up, ready to go. I've seen her on the practice court a little bit because the players are not playing this tournament in Arthur Ashe Stadium. They're playing across on grandstand court. So, and all the players at the moment, all the seeded players at least, they have a suite within Arthur Ashe Stadium. So we have this unusual occurrence where you play on Arthur Ashe Stadium for a practice session and then you have all the players kind of sitting around their suites watching that practice session. It never happened. It's kind of a weird feeling, actually. Mm. So we've been able to sit in the suite, the ESPN suite, and watch Kimmy practice. She's practicing really well. She's not serving a lot. She had a bit of an abdominal injury and that's the reason she pulled out of the tournament here last week. But she's capable of, of going a long way and... The top part of the section, to me, uh, is, is pretty loaded. There are a lot of good players up there with Carolina Pliskova, Jennifer Brady's had some good wins, Kerber's there, um, and also Serena Williams' section is, is pretty loaded as well. But as Brad Gilbert said about three or four days ago, he thinks there's 30 players that are capable of winning this tournament on the WTA side because the top level is that close. It just takes one good performance and you can beat anybody. So it's a bit of a a dart throw to a dartboard to see who wins this. Serena Williams is going to be there, killer, age 38. Um, she hasn't quite reached the pinnacle in recent times in her latest attempts in Grand Slam tennis. How does she look, and do you think she can... Will she, will she start favourite? Well, she's not favourite, no. I think the fact that she hasn't won an event for quite a while... and I guess what's lost is she's actually made three or four Grand Slam finals yeah. in a comeback since becoming a mother and just hasn't been able to to win that final match for, for whatever reason that may be. And Simona beat her in the last final. She made at Wimbledon, 6-2, 6-2, pretty comfortably at Wimbledon. She's had a lot of time off. Her matches here, she's fought incredibly hard. She had to fight really hard to win her first couple of matches. She spent a lot of time on court. She should have won her match against Maria Zachary. She surfed the match and she got so disappointed that she didn't close that match out. She didn't give a great effort in the third set of that particular match here. And she spent about nine hours on court. Now, that nine hours is going to be really valuable to her. Uh, I'm not sure she's going to win this event, but you just can't count her out. And if she gets her game going, if she gains a little bit of confidence, it's more about the closing ability. You know, during a normal tournament, she's fine. Uh, she's playing well. But once you get into a winning position, it's just not the Serena we know because normally she steps up to the line, she'll serve three aces, and she'll just block out any chance for her opponent to come back. And she's just not doing that at the moment, and she's giving her opponents hope. So that can change with a little bit of confidence. But so far with what we've seen, 
uh, there are a few other players that would be more favourite than her. Who do you who do you like on the women's and, and the men's side? Well, I'm not going past Novak. You no. can have the field, and I'll, you can have 127 players, and I'll take Novak, and I'm pretty confident I'm going to win that bet. <laughs> and then on the women's side, oh, you know, <laughs> it, it's tough to know. I, I think Karolina Pliskova is due to win one. She's good enough to win a major. She's going in here as the number one seed. She's, I think she's the best player that hasn't won a major so far. And if she can get a game going, fast conditions, uh, she's very capable of winning this tournament. I'll lean towards her. I, I think she can do it here. And there's a couple of players that worry her, like um, Simona obviously has a game that worries her. Um, it's also Svitolina uh, also plays the type of game that worries her as well. So with those players not being here, I think she can go all the way. How much time went into uh, Simona making the decision to pull out? Yeah, four months' worth. It was a long conversation, uh, something that she really didn't get her arms around until the very end. And we even sent her off to play that tournament in Prague a couple of weeks ago to get the taste for playing again and to see whether or not that would be enough to get her onto a plane and to come over here. Knowing full well the USTA has done a, a really good job to make it as safe as possible, but she's you know, really protective of her health and the health of the people around her. And in fact, if you remember four weeks ago, uh, four years ago, she in fact missed the Rio Olympics for the same reason. The Zika virus was flying around a little bit and rumours of potentially players catching that. So she actually gave up the Olympics four years ago because of those health worries. So it was no surprise to me that she didn't come here. Uh, we hung out to the last minute for a couple of reasons. Firstly, to see if she would change her mind, because she can change her mind a little bit. We, we laugh at that quite a lot, but she has a tendency to change her mind quite a lot. But uh, also the fact that she didn't want to pull out too early and damage the chances for the US Open to be cancelled because she was concerned for her fellow players that uh, she wanted the tournament to happen and she wanted the opportunity for players to earn a living and to get tennis started again. So she left it until the last minute for those reasons. Hey, before we let you go, we'll, we'll move on to some footy stuff. What, what was your initial reaction when you heard that Peter Adams and Dan Houston had broken coronavirus protocols and had subsequently been suspended for two and three weeks, respectively? Uh, no problems with the suspensions. Um, they deserved it and fully disappointed, like everyone at Port Adelaide. And I think that's been well and truly... Uh, spoken about now, I think Ken and Chris Davies spoke about that beautifully and it's in the past and time to move on and hopefully those boys are working hard and I believe they are to turn it around. Well said, mate. Enjoy the time over there. Once again, really appreciate it and we look forward to the US Open next week. It's going to be big. Look, looking forward to it, boys. We'll chat sometime during the tournament. A uh, very good morning to you on the captain's run. Time now, though, to get to our next guest because he gives us an update on all things AFL, particularly at the junior level, and always generous with his time. AFL.com.au's Cow Toomey. Cow, thanks for your time. No worries at all, Kane. How are you? I'm good. I want to get to the changes to the NAB League shortly, but I'm just um, perusing your article on one of my favourite players in the game, um, Bailey Smith. He's what he's doing for a second-year player in the game is extraordinary. You had a good chat to him, and I love the article on it. In particular, you've detailed his preparation and what makes him such an elite um, prospect because he takes no things to chance. What was it like to, to catch up with him and, and give us an insight? 
It was good, yeah. I've known Bailey for a little while now, obviously coming through the draft and getting a sense of that preparation all the way back to then. I mean, this is a kid who used to weigh his meals and count the calories from the point he was 14. So he's been an absolute pro since then, and that's still continuing now. He's a different person. He's, he's very comfortable in his own skin. He dresses differently. He's got the earring. He's got the uh, the chain. He's got the old-style fashion clothes and all these types of things. But when it comes to his footy, he's a pro. And, yeah, I know being up here in the hub, he gets on the bus that's available to staff to the Bulldogs um, to go to the grounds and games a little bit earlier. And the only other player that usually does that with him is Marcus Bonsampelli. So he's keen to learn off the best, and he's becoming one of the best. He's one of the most exciting players in the comp. And, yeah, it was good to have a chat with him. Did you think he would make this big an impact, watching him at junior level straight away? Yeah, I did think he was ready-made. I didn't think he'd be quite as good as this. I mean, he's still 19, which is pretty mm. amazing. But what he did show in his top age year, his draft year, was that he was quick, he could run all day, and he had that sort of mix of power and force and, and competitive nature. And then on the outside, he was a really good user of the footy. So look, he's the captain of the Sandringham Dragons and... and I don't think anything's really surprised me too much with, with how Bailey's gone. He's played every game since he's gotten to the Dogs and absolutely doesn't want to rest or doesn't want to miss a game anytime soon. So he's a key part of that side. So in some ways, yes, but in a lot of ways, no, because it's what he's always wanted and set himself for. So it's good to see him reaping the rewards of that. How is it up there in the hub? It's interesting. It's, uh, it's certainly a different environment, but it's, I think what you do get from being up here is a real sense of, how much work is going on to get this season finished and, and get it completed and get these games underway. I was at Metricon last night watching uh, Richmond and West Coast and obviously West Coast will back up in a few more days and play the Bombers next week. They only come off a, a short break as well. So the teams and players and clubs are putting in as much as they can to, to get these games done and then hopefully uh, the final series will run out as planned. But yeah, it's, it's good to be here. There's a couple of clubs floating through and a few clubs changing positions and, and coming back into Queensland this week. So uh, a lot of players and clubs on the ground here and, and uh, hoping that we can get things away uh, over the next six or so weeks. So big changes to the VFL announced during the week with the NEFL merging uh, and also changes to the NAB League going from under-18s and different shifts in age. Um, what is that happening specifically yeah, so the, I think the main ones to talk about are the fact that, as you say, there's the under-16s and under-18s, which has been the, the system structure for a long, long time now. That's being shifted up a gear to under-17s and under-19s level. Now, it's important to note that the draft age remains at 18. Um, whether that's the first step to changing the draft age, I'm not quite sure. I still don't think it should ever change. That's my personal view. But mm. this is a, an opportunity now for more 19-year-olds to play at these levels um, than has been available before. In previous years, there has been that capacity for a few guys from each side um, to play at under 18 level if they have missed out on the previous year's draft. We've seen that at different stages. Look at a couple of the emerging players in the competition, Jack Steele and Tim English. These are guys who come through as overages, having missed out in their original draft year. But now there's not going to be a cap on that um, sort of per se. So in the NAB League, there'll be that under 19s competition, and that'll be the same for state championships around the country so the under eight under 17s and under 19s systems and and those will be the significant changes will it make a difference to how clubs view things I, I think it might in some ways next year because there's going to be a lot of players particularly in Victoria I think that would have used this year to bolster their stocks and really get going as draftees but obviously haven't had the opportunity to do that so 
Uh, next year, there'll be some overflow of that. Some players won't get selected because of this situation. So there'll be a lot of players next year at under 19 level. But overall, I don't think, you know, if you fast forward a couple of years and we get back to a sense of normal, I still think that the best 18 year olds are going to be picked and going to be wanting to be drafted when they're 18. So it's an interesting situation to track over the next little bit. Any thoughts or any update on when the draft may be held this year? I still, I still think it'll be in the middle of December, most likely. I have sort of raised the idea that I think it should be in January because uh, and, and give the, the kids maybe just an extra couple of weeks or extra few weeks just to relax after the end of their exam. The reality is that a lot of clubs and players at AFL level won't be back to their actual clubs until January, given the stretching on of this season and, and the, the extended break. And obviously the players have given up a lot for this year to go ahead. So... I'd expect that a lot of AFL players won't be back till January. So in my mm. eyes, why not hold the draft in early January and let them come into the, the, their clubs and respective clubs as soon as they get picked at that point? I still think the most likely situation is sometime middle to late December once those exam periods are finished around the country. Uh, but, yeah, I'm all for pushing it back a little bit further. And Who knows what you might be able to achieve in that early December period if it's more testing or if it's more in-person interviews or home interviews by then. Hopefully, a few more things would have opened up and have been more available to recruiters at that stage. So, if it can provide an extra two or three weeks to get their real um, insight into these prospects, which this year has obviously caused some massive headaches for, uh, I'm all for that. Mm. Uh, check out Cow's Work Exchange podcast is magnificent. Riley Beveridge, also Mitch Cleary, mate. Thanks for the update. Anytime, guys. Cheers. Cow Toomey, AFL.com.au, joining us from the hub on the Gold Coast. And you can also read that article about Bailey Smith, Dogs fans and any footy fans, really, um, who love the work of a young player making a huge impact on the game. Check that out on AFL.com.au. Time now for the latest news headlines. Killing it as always, Gibbsy. Thanks for your hard work. Time now to catch up with Jared Timms from Neds. Take your betting to the Neds level. Gamble responsibly, 1-800-858-858. Morning to you, Timsy. Morning, Kane. How are you, mate? Can't wait for Friday night footy. Yeah, well, very hard to tip against Geelong at the moment, so probably unsurprising to see them as favourites, but still a little bit of meat on the bone for them here. I thought it was $1.57, $2.55 on offer for the Bulldogs. As always, came we're offering two dollar lines on every game this weekend. They've been set at nine and a half points for tonight's clash. Five changes for Port Adelaide. Some quality back into the side. Hard to make a case for the Swans. Yeah, it's getting very, very hard to fault anything Port Adelaide's doing at the moment. This represents another terrific opportunity for them. They certainly have not been missed in the market though. A dollar fifteen plays six dollars twenty five for the Swans. Two dollar line set at a whopping thirty and a half points. Melbourne are going to get their skates on against St Kilda, who have been impressive. Yeah, well, betting suggests there's going to be a few tight contests in round 14 with a lot on the line. This certainly looks like being one of them. A little more than even money available for the Ds here at $2.02. The Saints are our $1.85 favourites, as those prices would suggest. $2 line, absolutely minuscule, just two and a half points. Season on the line stuff for the Blues taking on the Magpies. Can't wait for this game. What are the punters thinking? Yeah, well, it was a pretty shaky first half for the Pies in Brisbane on Monday night. They did charge home and beat North pretty comfortably in the end there. $1.83 favourites to do it again in this one. $2.05 about Carlton. Two and a half points for $2 lines in this clash as well, Kane. Timsy, enjoy the footy. Speak to you next week. Thanks, mate. Good luck, punters.
Whatever you like to bet on, take it to the Neds level. Gamble responsibly. 1-800-858-858. Chad's Brothers Quiz. 1-300-736-736. Let's do that next. I'm not sure what the theme for the quiz is this morning. Um, oh, here we go. Here we go. Right up my alley. A Collingwood Carlton themed quiz this morning. 1-300-736-736. Last person standing. Get to it. Memories.com.au. Keep your memories alive for future generations. Tim from Cheltenham. Good morning to you, mate. Well done for getting through. Thanks, Kano. There's a Milwaukee Brewers cap in the shoebox. Who is it? Milwaukee Brewers. I'm going to say Peter Moylan. No, it's not Pete. Um but it is all thanks to memories.com.au. Keep your memories alive for future generations. Dwayne Russell up after 12 o'clock with the latest edition of that one. Time now for the quiz. 18 holes of golf for two, plus a complimentary drink card. Thanks to Club Mandalay, a must-play course in Melbourne's North. Collingwood-Carlton-themed quiz. And we will go to Sam. Welcome to you, Sam. Hey, Kano. How are you? I'm good. What is the first grand? What is the grand final head-to-head record from six games between Carlton and Collingwood? I know we've lost a lot, so I'll say Collingwood one, Carlton five. And you'd be correct. Where will the game be played between these two sides on Sunday? This round. Yep. Uh, it's at the Gabba. It is at the Gabba. In the last matchup between the two, this was last year, the Pies won a seesawing contest by three goals. Which Collingwood winger had 34 and kicked two goals in that game? Winger would have been Tommy Phillips. Yes, right. For the win, it's only four questions today because we are a bit hard up for time. We've got to get to Stevie J. Who were the two latest to ret- who were the two players to retire? from both clubs. So the latest two players to retire from both clubs. Sorry, sorry. Let me, let me, let me rephrase this. Who were the last two players to retire that played for both clubs? Oh, for both teams. Yeah. They've, so they've, these two players have played for both teams and they've just retired. Oh, Dale Thomas. Yep. Uh, and just retired recently or, yeah, the last two players to retire that have represented both clubs. Uh, tough guess. Maybe the best I could do is Cameron Clark. Well, you did well. You got us through. You did some heavy lifting. So Ryan should capitalise on this. Welcome to the quiz, Ryan. Hey, mate. How are you? So we've got Dale Thomas. He played for both clubs. There's one other player that is the latest to retire that has represented both Collingwood and Carlton. Yeah, it's on my... Um... You've got a clue. I know who it is. I just can't remember the name. Don't have a clue for you because we've got a lot of people waiting and ready to go. So sorry to you, Ryan. Can't give you that. Daniel in Mornington. Do you know the answer, Daniel? That would be Alex Pasolo. That would be, and you would be the winner of the quiz. Get in there, pick up the 18 holes of golf plus a drink card. Thanks to Club Mandalay. When things open up, you will love that. And that was the quiz on the other side of this we are going to hear from a former Geelong legend. He's a triple premiership player. He's a Norm Smith medalist. He's an All-Australian. Now doing some hard yards at Sydney, to be fair. But uh, I reckon they've been reasonably impressive, the Sydney Swans. 
this year. Stevie J is his name, and he is going to join us on the captain's run next. Still time to take your text as well, 0433-981116. Stick around, Stevie J up next. Good morning, boys. How are we? We're good. We are good. It's beautiful uh, over here in Adelaide. You'll enjoy it. The weather's magnificent. 23 degrees tomorrow. Perfect for footy. Um, It's been an interesting year for you. I've been sort of impressed by what the Sydney Swans have been able to do under adversity. How have you seen it? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been I guess, challenging at times, Kane, because we, um, we'd love to be a winning team, but um, our hand's been forced a little bit through injuries and uh, but that's given opportunity to some younger players, and uh, we've been able to find out a bit about them over the, you know the last six or eight weeks, and so that's been a, a real positive, which should help the club going forward. Um, clearly, would you know we'd love to have some of our top end players out there on the park and giving ourselves a chance to push towards finals, but that's not happening at the moment. So we're just trying to you know play every week and and give these guys a challenge and. Yeah, no doubt it'll bode well for the future. What was the, I suppose, the assessment of the game? Was it uh, the way that you guys dealt with things or was it about Freo's defence? Um, I, I think a little bit of both. I think, um, you know, Fremantle are really well uh, well drilled defensively. They roll back really well off their opponents and, and drop off. And, and we just didn't use the ball well enough going forward. We... Um, we knew what they were going to do, but we played into their hands uh, beautifully. So it's partly, you know, credit to the way that they go about it. But uh, there were certainly some areas that we touched on through the week where we could have been better and probably just um, a little bit more composed with the footy around the stoppages. And then once we marked the ball forward to centre. So we've just got to continue to learn and grow from these um, experiences. Is that the case with most opposition to play against? You know what they're going to do, and the second part to that is, do you know what Port Adelaide are going to try and do tomorrow? Yeah, I think um, there's, there's not too many secrets in, in footy these days, Cam, because we watch so much vision. We've got the uh, opposition analysis that comes through. Um, generally, um, you know exactly what they're going to do, and they're going to play the same way that they have. It's just about how you can go go about negating it and and, you know, you might tweak some things here and there, but uh, the majority of the time it's just, um, you know, one one uh, game plan against another or, or who's on uh, on the day. So, um, look, we know that Charlie Dixon's going to be a, um, a bit of a, a problem for us. We're going to have to try and negate his influence tomorrow. They go to him so much. Mm. Um, when the ball gets kicked to him, it's, it's uh, certainly... Uh, we want to try and help him out in the air, but then if the ball comes to the ground, it's got some really dangerous small. So there's a balance there as well. We know what they're going to do, but going about stopping it's another uh, problem. It's been a bit of fun watching uh, your coach, Horse, um, and Dean Cox go at it this year, and you've had sort of the back row seat to it, but I can sense you've got some amusement out of it, Stevie J, as well. How's he yeah. taking losing more regularly than winning? Because he's a winning coach, and he just seems to be a competitive animal. He is. Uh, okay, he's an absolute competitor horse. Um, I think some of the vision that comes through in the box, it looks um, like it's it, it's more animated than what it is between the two. Um, it's actually Coxie's yeah pretty composed in the box, and um, he generally has to put the messages down to the down to the bench. So uh, he sort of filters some of the stuff that comes from horse. But um, look, horse I think really understands where we are as a club. Um, and he knows that um, 
you know, that can be frustrating for some of the senior players that we're not out there winning and, and he he wants to be winning himself. He's not used to it. I think last year was the first time he'd missed the finals for a, um, as a coach and he wanted to bounce back this year, but our hand's been forced a little bit. So uh, that's an, another new challenge, which I think he's enjoying. And uh, there's no doubt he doesn't, um, in a review meeting, although we, you know, we get beaten and we do, we are inexperienced. We're always looking for opportunities to grow and, um, you know, he certainly doesn't accept that um, he keeps really high standards and I think, you know, that's why it's going to be great for these younger players, the time away, um, developing relationships with, with one another and, and really getting to have a look at some of these players who can stand up at the level has been a real positive for us. We just asked uh, Brett Montgomery about the, his future and I guess broader the, the landscape of assistant coaches in AFL footy in general, to be fair. Are, are you clear on what your future looks like and how much of an anxious time has it been for you and, and I guess, your uh, fellow employees? Yeah, I think um, there is so much uncertainty. I mean, um, I don't have any clarity um, just as yet. Um, I think there's you know, a couple of other assistant coaches have the ones that are in the same boat. So, um, yeah, we've been told that they're going to try and work out work it out as soon as possible. And um, so, you know, we can't spend too much time, I guess, worrying about it. But as time goes on, you're going to have to, you know, start to start to think about what it may look like as well. So, look, I, I don't envy Charlie Gardner, the football manager's position at the moment. He's got so many balls in the air that he's trying to deal with and. And that's going to be another big one, not just the coaching contracts, but the playing contracts and list sizes. So um, I know he's endeavouring to do his best to uh, to give us some clarity, but right at the moment, it's, uh, it's, it's hard for him to do that. It must come soon, though, Stevie. Like, it's got to be within sort of days or at least a week, you would have thought. It's a big move for, for someone like yourself to, to head up to Sydney and, and completely readjust your whole lifestyle, you know, country lad and, and all the time you spend in Geelong, a bit of a different landscape. Did you need that answer, you know, pretty soon? Um, look, preferably, can it would come sooner rather than later. Um, um, but um, right at the moment, yeah, we've been told he'll try and get to us as soon as possible. Um, and, you know, we just we take his word on that. Um, I've really enjoyed my time at the Swans um, over the last three years. And, you know, you know, I would love to stay up in Sydney. It's a great spot to live. It's a great club, you know, developing young lists. So um, that would certainly be a, uh, a preference. But um, if that doesn't work out, well, then I'll, I'll worry about uh, what happens next from then on. Have you got the, the full-on passion for it? Um, it? Clearly, no one's loved their footy more than you and one of the smartest minds we've seen. But is senior coaching something that you would like to pursue down the track? I think it's something that um, is starting to grow more and more. Um, I think, I mean, not my passion, just you know, thinking ahead that maybe that could be a possibility in the mm-hmm. future. Um, I certainly love, I love the coaching. Um, I love... You know, I love working with the young players. I always have, even as a player. I used to pull players aside and go through their vision with them. So that's it certainly is a passion of mine. Um, and part of the reason why I joined Sydney in the first place was because it's such a great club and John Longmire had been a successful coach. And I'd you know, worked under, I guess I played under Mark Thompson, Chris Scott, and then went to the Giants under Leon Cameron. And I wanted to go and um, develop under you know another another great coach and I think that's that's really helped me and 
there's no doubt I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere near being ready to be a senior coach, but I think I'm in the right spot to, to learn and um, maybe uh, give myself that chance one day. Mm. You would have had an outside perception of Buddy playing against him and, and watching him do crazy things. Was that reaffirmed when you got to Sydney or was it? did it change your view of him? Um, I always knew he was a superstar. Um, playing against him, I mean, he took some games away from us when it was the, the battles between Hawthorne and Geelong. My first game uh, as a coach uh, where he was um, a player in Sydney was when we come over, we went over to... WA and he kicked eight in the opening of Optus Stadium. So huh. it was one of the greatest individual performances I've ever seen. Um, what I've really um, likened about um, working with him is, is um, I guess, his ability to um, work with the younger players um, and also just his passion for the game is as strong as anyone's. You talk about players that... Um, you know, love the game, and you know, I was one of them would, would hardly miss a match. I know there's some of the better players I've played with, you know, Joel Selwood, Matthew Scarlett, they watched every game of footy as players, and Lance is exactly the same. He doesn't miss. His understanding of opposition players is second to none, um, and then he's got the ability on top of that to go out and do what he does. So he's always well prepared, and we uh, we hope that now that... He's been given the time away to go and get his body right. He can have, have a really good run at it, increase his training loads up to be ready for next year because he's still got plenty of good footy left in him. Stevie, mate, appreciate you spending 20 minutes with us this morning. It's great to catch up and have a chat. Good luck, firstly, for, you, for your future, mate. I'm sure you'll be fine. If the Swans don't want you, there'll be seven out of other clubs that do. And, and once again, hope it goes well for you tomorrow. Can't wish you luck against Port Adelaide, but I've been impressed by what you've done this season. And, and once again, thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks a lot, boys. Cheers. Well, it's been a big show, as always. Thanks for all of your contributions to it. We'll be back to do it again from 9 o'clock next Friday. Enjoy the footy over the weekend. Make sure you give Dwayne a call up next. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely, and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.